Welcome to episode 132 of Ready Press Play, recorded August 3rd, 2022. We're your bi-weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today we're going to be talking about GTA 6, Sony's thoughts on Microsoft's acquisitions, the MetaQuest price increase, and more. Stay tuned. What's up, players? This is your host, Luis Menchaca, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Daniel Lima. Luis, I got news. Big uh, news. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I am now a proud owner of a PlayStation 5. Bear, bear, bear! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I made that. That, one's, that one was right. Uh, but yes. And, yeah. Go for and it. I did not buy, buy it from a scalper. <laughs> I you bought know, it from a different version of a scalper, I guess. <laughs> I bought it from Sam's Club. <laughs> and they made you buy uh, other shit on top of your, your, your console. That yes. You, well, at least you otherwise would have bought. I mean, at the very least. But, you know, force bundles yeah. kind of suck. But you know what? You got eh. it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was like, I, I've kind of avoided the bundles too. Uh, and I've, I've done this thing ever since it came out where I was like, well, I don't want to rush to get it, especially with all the craziness of it. Every once in a while, I would try. Like, I would jump in. I would see it get on stock on something. I would jump in and check it out. And then I'd not be able to get it. A few months ago, I signed up for the PlayStation Direct thing. And I kept getting those emails when I was busy. And then when I actually got to, like, try to do it, it would, it would always be uh, not available anymore. Uh, but then I just happened to see... And it's actually been happening a lot recently. I, I do think they're getting easier to get. Um, where I saw a tweet from... Um, I think it's Wario64, his name. Uh, it's like the uh, mm-hmm. a deals uh, account Twitter. Yes. And uh, it was like, I saw it right as it got posted, like, live. Like, hey, like, this is now on stock on Sam's Club. And then I jumped in, and I figured, I didn't even, I wasn't even stressed or, like, rushed it. Because I was like, you know what? Sam's Club, a bundle, I bet this is going to actually be in stock for a few minutes at least. Um, so I kind of took a second. Um, I ended up having to sign up for a fucking <laughs> Sam's Club <laughs> subscription as well. Uh, but it was worth it. You know, I feel like I got my money's worth because I got, I did get the con. It was like, I didn't get anything that was like egregious. Like, yeah, I can't like believe it. GameStop bundles are egregious. They'll throw on shit that it, you weren't even planning on getting like a fucking it, Funko pop or something. Yeah, exactly. It was like, okay, I'm getting an extra controller, which I probably would want to buy at some point anyway. There's this like little charging station, which is nice. Cause I got to put like the two controllers just sit like on top of it charging and it looks kind of nice on my living room setup. Let me at least uh, say that yeah. you still, I still wouldn't have wanted to get that bundle because I don't want two white controllers. You know me, I have to have different color controllers of everything. Yes, right? that's fine. I get it. Louis, you're a fan of diversity and that's, that's great. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, playing basic two basic controllers. I'm okay with that. And then whatever, at some point I'll buy a colorful one. Uh, like, I don't know, like a year from now one, or two. Or... Just get like every color that like Leah ever had her hair. <laughs> like oh that will i will i will go i will go broke if i do that <laughs> yeah because she's done green and purple and pink and wow no i can't do that <laughs> blonde red um <laughs> that's a funny one i didn't expect you to say that uh you caught me there but yeah so uh you know i got the console it took a little bit to arrive but i got it and i got it set up earlier this week uh it's i found a good place for it on my uh living room setup i'll send you a photo later has uh, um, have you managed to uh play ghost on it yet or has 
how are things are have you because for me you it know, was a process it was a process to migrate everything on the ps4 to ps5 it took a long right. time I haven't quite gone through that process yet. This is what I've done, okay? So I, I I turned on the console and I put a bunch of games to install, right? Like I kicked off like 10 different installs. Uh, then uh, I just sort of like went and I checked out, like I messed around with the system a little bit, you know, got familiar with the UI. Uh, then I went to check out that little uh, built-in game, the pack-in game, Astrobot. Oh, yeah, so good. So good. Uh, and I, I had some fun with that, but I didn't play it too much. I played it for like 20 minutes or whatever just to kind of check it out. It was cool. Uh, I do want to play it more uh, later. And then uh, I went in and I I got, as part of my bundle, I got $100 worth of uh, like PSN uh, credits. So I just kind of got that redeemed. And then I was like, okay, what, do I want to do anything with those $100 already? Do I want to just save them for when Ragnarok comes out or something and then buy that? And then I went and I signed up for the PlayStation Plus uh, uh, premium? premium tier. Oh. Yeah. And then, because it was like 30 bucks, and I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I, I actually, I wanted to go and check out Stray, right? I wanted to download that. So I figured it's $30 to buy Stray, or I can just sign up for this thing. I have it for a year. You know, I upgraded, I, I, because I already had the basic PS Plus. I'll upgrade for a year. And then I, I can also get, I looked at it. They, it had the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut was included in it. Uh, the Demon Souls remake was included in it. Returnal. Pretty much any game I could have wanted to buy, honestly, <laughs> was like in it. Um, so I figured, you know, I'll just, I'll just use those 30 bucks and then get that. So, uh, yeah. Then I let everything install overnight. This happened from like Monday to Tuesday. Today is Wednesday when we're recording this, by the way. Um, and so I haven't really had much of a chance to really spend time with it yet. Yesterday, I just went and I turned on Ghost of Tsushima on it, but it just like started me from the beginning of the game. So I haven't gone through the process of like transferring my, my save and saves. shit. Okay. Yeah, I got to figure out. I got to figure that out sometime uh, soon. I don't know when I'm going to do that, honestly, because I've just been so busy with work and, and we're about to go on a trip together. So um, yeah, that's the other thing is like we're going to be yep. seeing each other in real life in Las Vegas. We're going to Evo this weekend. By the time this post, by the time this is live, we're going to be already living it up in Vegas, getting drunk, watching the hangover, <laughs> reenacting the hangover. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that. If you see us, if you spot us, if you're ready, press play stand. Don't come up to us because we don't take selfies. <laughs> yeah, and and, and that's kidding. not just that's not just Evo. By the way, you know, if you uh, if you see us at a strip club, you know, or anything <laughs> like that, uh, in any of the Nevada brothels or anything, I probably pronounced that word wrong. Uh, <laughs> it might have been the first time that I said it out loud. Uh, yeah, just feel free to you know, come up, get an autograph or whatever. It's fine. You know, if, you, if you're one of the strippers at the strip club, you can come and ask for an autograph as well. That's fine. Um. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of really weird because, like, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I ever told you the story, but my, uh, like, you know, I had, like, the wonderful cast of characters on Musing with Menchaca. Uh, like, yes. I had, like, a similar, like, it wasn't, like, a permanent cast, but damn near. It might as well have been a permanent cast, right? And uh -huh. uh, one of my friends, Eric, he was on it for, like multiple times. And my coworker, like at, at my previous job, she was like listening to my podcast and she sort of became a low key fan of it. And uh -huh. one day when she was out like at a restaurant, she spotted my friend Eric and she could <laughs> not get, go up and say hi to him because she was nervous. And I was like, mm -hmm. what the hell? How do you get starstruck? He's he's just a dude. <laughs> like, but yeah, so it was just funny. He was like, yeah, so he just she just told me about it and she never said hi, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> that is funny. I do I do remember um I do remember some of the people that you I know that you had like David mm -hmm. a lot. Um that was one of your regulars, and I do remember Eric as well and 
think you had your brothers a few times and uh uh patty i think was her name yes. was in it as well mm-hmm. a few times and yeah good times it was it was fun I, I remember that was that was before we uh we even had done any content together that i was watching some of those episodes back in the day yeah um, and, then, and then it's kind of funny it's like you you met my brother in real life and you completely didn't even remember how he looked like until you saw it's like yeah no because first time again it, it was so long ago and that's yeah. the thing it's like if i went back and i rewatched them but like it, that was 2015 right yes, like where yeah. you were doing most of those so um yeah by the time i got there i couldn't even remember what I, what I, anybody looked like really uh but lewis you know tangents aside yes. you're actually going to be competing in some of these uh tournaments at evo right yes as a matter of fact i, th- I signed up for what i th- perceived to be the four most popular games to be you know ever featured in evo right so street fighter yes. you know street fighter 5 is one of the tournaments obviously and what's kind of interesting is evo got big evo started as a street fighter 2 tournament that is literally how it started and it, it's they, they made their their like evo has made their name off of the back of street fighter and marvel versus capcom so basically capcom mm-hmm. games and so now I would think that Street Fighter is like their big crown jewel or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It turns out it wasn't. We looked at the entrance. We looked at the number of entrants for each tournament, for each game. Uh, the, the games that I personally signed up for, the games that spoke to me, you know, the games that I've grown up with, right? Street Fighter V, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat 11, Tekken 7, Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, you know, those are like very big franchises for me. And yeah, um, yeah it turns out completely, completely wrong. Uh, with Dan, before, before we, uh, we started taping... I was looking at my, my my tournament schedule. My tournament schedule also has the number of entrants. It just it just that's how it says it. And I gave Dan the chance to guess, which he guessed wrong. What the what the what the uh, the most popular to the least popular is. He got the least popular right. That's good. Um, and then I was like, here's the numbers. And there's like these big steep drop offs between like a lot of these games. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do you so, want me to read off the list? Yeah. So just as a as a quick side note, both Dan and I both basically was like, oh yeah, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Tekken, Dragon Ball Fighters. Those are the top four games. Those are the games that everyone's gonna enter. Some of them weren't even in the top five, uh, which, which is interesting because they're top nine. There's only nine. So Dan, read the list as uh, as it is. Yes. Uh, so basically, uh, and number one, the most popular game at Evo with two thousand one hundred and fifty eight. Uh, competitors is guilty gear strive <laughs> which i i've known of this game i've heard about it i've always known that like you know fighting game nerds are really into this game yes um uh, but i guess i just sort of expected that the games that would have the most participants would be the ones that are just all around yeah. most accessible right like the ones that like you know everybody plays street fighter yeah. everybody has played street fighter at least once yeah even if you're not a fan of fighting games like me um so yeah, but I, I guess like, like I mean, I was like weeb fighting games. I'm like, oh, I was dismissing them. I think we even talked about Guilty yeah. Gear Strive back in 2020 when it came out, and it was like, oh, just another weeb fighting game. <laughs> yeah, I I think it really means that like the the tournament really does appeal to the hardcore, right? And I think that that's probably one of those games that, that the hardcore are really into for some reason. I mean, honestly, Louis, you probably should check it out and play it because there's there's probably a reason for for them to love it as much. Uh, but number two. And with a steep drop off, with like almost half the the amount of competitors, with one thousand three hundred and twenty four, is actually Street Fighter Five, which we would have expected would have been the top game. Um, then number three is Tekken Seven with one thousand two hundred and eighteen, so pretty close to Street Fighter there. Uh, then King of Fighters fifteen is number four, uh, which King of Fighters, you know, uh, we're in a group chat for the for the Vegas trip. My friend, also called Daniel, was just sending some texts about it because he was buying some old 
King of Fighters games and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I've barely heard of this franchise, to be honest. Like, I know of it. Like, I've heard the name, but I, like, I've never, I didn't even know anybody I knew played it. <laughs> so, I blame Smash Ultimate. <laughs> it's like Terry. <laughs> Terry got the stock up. <laughs> yeah, King yeah, I stock. guess. But it, it, it looks like it's popular. And that is way above number five, which is Dragon Ball Fighters uh, at uh, 635 participants uh which is pretty low way lower for what i would <laughs> yeah. expect for that game uh then we get grand blue fantasy versus at number six with 525 and mortal kombat 11 is number seven out of nine with 463 participants now here's the thing with mortal kombat lewis i've always heard this thing from mortal kombat uh or actually from fighting game fans that they would often say that mortal kombat was the was the less um I don't know, like the last least skill based fighting game out of the popular ones. Yes. Like I've heard people say, like, you know, like Street Fighter, Tekken, that's where it's at. Mortal Kombat is okay or whatever. Like I, it's not as anything deep. anything before Mortal Kombat nine, which was like just called Mortal Kombat because it was a reboot. Like mm-hmm. the fighting mechanics were pretty wonky and janky, even from like the Super uh, Super Nintendo Sega Genesis era. It's so cheap, it's so unbalanced, it's just so like stiff and like so. There's some of that stiffness sort of kind of carried over, but it's sort of like mm-hmm. they designed around it, right? Right. Um, so yeah, no, NetherRealm Studios. When yeah, actually yeah, I think Mortal Kombat Nine is when it became NetherRealm Studios because uh, before that it was like Midway and all those other weird developers and stuff. But now it's like sort of became this in-house thing and so when it became another realm studios they just sort of like perfected their design with each iteration uh so yeah. now like the more like well, mortal kombat 11 is like the most like fgc ass mortal kombat with they put like uh comeback mechanics and stuff like that and balancing mechanics so yeah but honestly just on notoriety alone i, w- I would have anticipated it to be you know in the top five at yeah. least so uh yeah. surprised to Legacy. see it this low uh, you know, below Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Uh, and then the final two games in the list are indeed two games that I had never heard about before. Uh, it is Melty Blood Type Lumina with 411 participants and Schoolgirls Second and Core with 295. Yeah. Do you so have anything to say about those games? Weebs. <laughs> I, just say weebs. I uh, feel no, like no. I might have heard of Schoolgirls, but... Yeah, I've heard it before. Uh, like I, mm-hmm. I never heard of the other one, the Lumina one. Like I never heard of that, but yeah, yeah I know of them. But anyways, Dan, we are a video game podcast. We meet every other Friday, and we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics in the industry, and all that good stuff. So let's just go ahead and move on with the podcast and get started with Temple of Time. <laughs> So, Dan, this is actually the most jam-packed Temple of Time ever, like, in ever. Like, we've been doing Temple of Time. I feel like this is the most crunched, most jam-packed, most stuffed things every fucking go-around. Like, damn. Um, I would definitely not have expected that from August, I know. by the way. It's not a month that I think of when I think of, like, a big month. I would, would, you know, October, November, those are the months that I would have anticipated would have been that. Uh, that month or perhaps like March in more, most recent years and stuff but anyway yeah everything is just happening in August so we have something to talk about every single time and it's just like damn that's like some hit, big hitters uh, so we're not gonna have anything we're not gonna run out of things to say but uh, I will say before we get into it this is the very first time I've ever done Temple of Time where I forgot to make the text white in our document so he can actually see and read ahead on everything which I yeah it doesn't quite matter like I feel like that was more of a thing for, for when video. we did video yeah yeah 
but now it's it's fine. I'm not I'm not reading ahead anyway, so I'll be surprised regardless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So five years ago, August 2017, we got Tacoma for PC and Xbox. Hellblade Senwa Sacrifice for PC and PS4. Ooh, the 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 misfire that was Lawbreakers PC and PS4. You know that's what happens. It always sucks when when uh, you try to make fetch a thing and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Agents of Mayhem PC PS4 Xbox One Cities Skylines PS4 Matterfall PS4 Nidhog Two for PC Mac and PS4 Sonic Mania the best Sonic since in a long time came out for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, PC, The Escapist 2, PC, PS4, Xbox One, Uncharted The Lost Legacy came out for PS4, F1 2017, PC, PS4, Xbox One, Madden NFL 18, PS4, Xbox One, Absolver, PC, PS4, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle Nintendo Switch, Life is Strange Before the Storm Episode 1, PC, PS4, Xbox One. God damn. Yep. Just what the fuck? That's just too much. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, we talk about like backlog and stuff like that. We have this big Excel spreadsheet that I started with all the games that we could potentially one day do uh, uh, one game at a time with, right? Uh-huh. And there's like five <laughs> games that Tacoma, we could potentially do just uh, Sonic, on this list. Tacoma, Sonic Mania, Uncharted, Lost Legacy. I mean, just... Yeah, I would say Hellblade, yeah, honestly, Hellblade. is oh, a good yeah. one. Mario plus Rabbits, maybe. I have Life yeah. is Strange in the list, but I don't know if we'll ever get to it. But like, it's... Uh, yeah, that's a pretty dope month. I've heard good things about some of these other games as well um let's see i the interesting thing with tacoma is that that was the follow-up to going home which was this big indie hit and yeah. a lot of people i think expected that that would be equally as successful or even surpass it but tacoma was actually a flop commercially and i don't know if a lot of people know that um the game just kind of came out and, and some and people went. checked it out yeah it came and went some people checked it out played it uh, but the studio has talked openly about the fact that it did not meet their expectations. And like, it's not even that it did not meet their, their expectations. The game kind of tanked, actually, from a commercial standpoint, even though it got I think it got decent reviews. Um, and I guess it just kind of shows that it's it's harder than it may seem to get that double that double hitter, you know, like you um, you, lightning hit, in a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> ex- exactly. There you go. Going home might have ultimately been kind of lightning in a bottle, right place at the right time. Uh, you know, you also need to take into consideration that Going Home comes out in 2013 in a very different lang- landscape of the industry. And they were almost like very, uh, they were pioneers in a lot of things with that game. And fast forward five years and uh, that's, that kind of game is no longer special, right? We've, we've had like a billion different versions of it and you really need to uh, make out. something unique yeah. and pioneering again to to stand out. And I, I guess Tacoma just might have not had that. Um Hellblade is a game that I started and didn't beat, and I really want to at some point. Uh, it's one of those, I know it's a short game, it's just I got distracted, whatever, didn't finish it. Uh, but I definitely want to go back and finish it because it was a very impressive and interesting game that does I, some very unique stuff with its I, audio. I wish Ninja Theory and Xbox like somehow managed to do a big brain play where they were like, and on the five-year anniversary, Hellblade, uh, was it, what's the next one? Senua's... Senua's Saga. Saga, yeah. Is that the one? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, I think it's called Senua's Saga. Yeah. yeah, I hope I was like, and now Hellblade Senua's Saga is out right now on the, yeah, perfectly timed to the five-year anniversary. I, I feel like that's just like a baller move. It's like, and to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the Hellblade series, here's the yes. sequel. 
<laughs> I know, that would be awesome. I mean, that game has been in an interesting uh, spot because it was the first game that we saw announced for the, for the X. Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's just kind of... Like, it's it's not that the game is completely missing because we have seen gameplay from it. We've seen some yeah. actual pretty extensive look uh, in, in certain occasions, but um, it's often not part of their E3 showcases. We haven't gotten even a release window yet, I think. Um, I don't know if it's in any kind of trouble development, but it also doesn't come across like the, the smooth, smoothest sailing either, yeah. right? Like... For them to start the announcement with that game, you would have anticipated that that would have been a, to something launch. to come out, yeah, within the first year or two of the console, and not like year three or four, or who knows at this point. Yeah, mm. um, sad story. Uncharted: Lo- Lo- The Lost Legacy. Um, I, I, uh, I, I was going back and forth between whether or not I wanted to buy the game, and mm-hmm. so I bought the game right right at midnight of its launch. And had I bought it like maybe an hour before, maybe even less than that. Had I like pulled the trigger and made up my mind, I could have basically uh, called it a pre-order. Like it would have been a pre-order had I paid for it sooner. And had I and as a pre-order bonus, I would have got like a Jack and Daxter game digitally. <laughs> and I was like, "Damn!" But that's funny. At least I didn't if know I have that. like PlayStation Premium, like that same Jack and Daxter game comes with PlayStation Premium. So yeah, yeah. Not, that was another one that I. That is a short game, and I somehow started it, played it for like two or three hours, and then just kind of never went back to it. I feel like it was good. It just like maybe because it was a spinoff, it just kind of did not grab me enough to like make sure I had to see the the story through or whatever. But it's also on the list. It's also something I want to go back and play at some point. Um, Yeah, cool. One one last shout out is uh, Sonic Mania. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Sonic Mania, the the development team that made the game, started off as Sega, as Sonic fans, and they were making like homebrew games and like fan mm-hmm. games, and then Sega just hired them, and they made yeah, the best I've heard Sonic of that game story. to ever to ever Sonic game. And I know. And I want to give a shout out to like the second boss fight because a lot of times you got to fight Doctor Robotnik in like a lot of these boss fights, but then you go into the like the next the second act or the second whatever levels the second zone, and then like. You do the boss fight, and instead of going to the boss fight, you start like uh, going to like this claw operating machine, and then you start playing Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine as the boss fight. <laughs> that's Dang. so fucking crazy. It's like that's awesome. It's basically like a Tetrisy type of game, you know, like a Puyo Puyo, basically for the for those Dude, that, you know for those I didn't know. Can you imagine how awesome it would be if Nintendo like took a uh, took a page off of Sega's book book and went and hired those people that do like you know fan made Zelda and Metroid projects <laughs> and stuff and actually had them make shit. Uh, we can dream. Yeah, if only. But anyways, so yeah, that's uh, that that all that was just five years ago. So then let's go into ten years ago, August of 2012. All right, so it's the end of the PS3 era, 360 era. The Wii U is on the horizon. So we got we got Persona 4 Arena for PS3 and Xbox 360. Sound Shapes came out for PSN. Darksiders 2 came out for PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. Papo Yo, which is a PSN game, which it was uh, the only reason I, I spotlighted that is because it was a free game for me. Uh, whenever I was a part of the uh, the open beta, the closed beta for for streaming for PS3 uh, streaming. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot what they called it. PlayStation something. Uh, Sleeping PlayStation Dog- Now. Yeah, that's the one. PlayStation Now. Yeah. Uh, Sleeping Dogs came out for PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. Uh, Dust, an Elysian Tale, came out for Xbox Live Arcade, which I got that for free on something. 
uh, whether it be games with gold or PS Plus. Uh, new Super Mario Brothers 2 came out for the 3DS, which Dan recently played. Mm -hmm. uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive came out on PC, PSN, Xbox Live Arcade, and Mac. That seems very weird. I feel like it's been, it should have been before that, but maybe. Uh, Madden NFL 13 came out for P PS3, Xbox 360, Wii, and PS Vita. Psychonauts came out on PS3, and Bastion got ported to, the, to iOS. So, funny enough, uh, one of the few games in this list that I actually played and beat is Papa and Yo, which what you just mentioned. So I'm glad you brought this in here. Uh, yeah, I did get that on PS Plus or whatever or something, I think, at one point. Or I might have even bought it uh, in, a, in a sale. Uh, and, it's, uh, and it's this interesting indie game where, you know, I've played other games like this where it's like there's fantastical things happening that you're going through, but it's supposed to be sort of like a metaphor to life. Uh, in, in this case, it's, uh, you know, this kid, it's like, there, there's two characters in this game. It is a kid that you play as, and it's a monster that you interact with. And the monster is like this big kind of scary creature, but that is typically on your side, except when they eat these like weird berries or something, and then they turn evil and crazy. And then you got to like figure out how to like get them to calm down or escape them and stuff. And, uh, the, the person who made this game, the kind of the, the, the creative, uh, the lead creative behind it. Uh, they inspired it off of their relationship with their with their alcoholic father. So the, he had like an alcoholic dad who would like, you know, drink too much and then, you know, get aggressive and shit. And so uh, it's kind of interesting when you look at it through that perspective um, that it's like this this weird little like innocent looking indie game. But there's actually sort of like a dark uh, metaphor uh, behind it. Uh, I, it's not an excellent game, by the way. It's like it's yeah. it's sort of very. Uh, um, how do I explain this? Like. It doesn't have a lot of polish. Uh, it, it's kind of clunky and, and it doesn't look that good either. But it was a nice experience. One of those that you play in two hours and it's like, you know, this was maybe like a six, but it's still it's cool that it exists and that yeah. it's, it's doing something different, you know. Very endearing, I would say. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, New Super Mario Brothers 2, first off, it's the third game in the New Super Mario Brothers <laughs> series because of New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Um, so I don't I wasn't a fan of the title like. If anything, they should have called it New Super Mario Bros. 3 because it's the 3DS. So, you know, whatever. Just, yeah. It's like a missed opportunity there. Um, yeah. The whole gimmick is just collecting coins. Um, I think it was like Nintendo's first foray into downloadable content. Like selling. Like most times when you like at the time you think about like Nintendo, they, they put a game and they ship it and it's done. Um, so that was just them dipping their toes into that, that business model. Um, and also... Maybe of a little bit of unforced error because, like, in August of 2012, New Super Mario Brothers 2 comes out, and then, like, what is it, like, three months later, September, October, yeah, no, uh, three months later, yeah. in November 2012, New Super Mario Brothers U comes out, and then I think that's just too too much of the same thing, uh, and there yeah. was a little bit of fatigue, uh, Mario fatigue at that time. Yeah, even uh, even Nintendo themselves acknowledged that. I remember it was like the year later on E3, and and you would you would know because you've just been rewatching all the Nintendo directs for Cogs in a Machine. Yeah. Uh, that I that Reggie, you know, or somebody made a joke about how there was not going to be any Mario game, and that, that was kind of their acknowledgement of the the Mario fatigue that was going on at the time. Well, also that um, Reggie, since he since he has like stepped down as CEO of Nintendo of America, he's given candid interviews talking about that, specifically saying that we had, they, we, we oversat, we oversaturated with too many Mario games. 
Uh-huh. And, and, and yeah, definitely New Super Mario Brothers 2 is one that I skipped uh, when it first came out. I, I did play the Wii U one uh, instead, and it was just too much. Like you said, I, I had played the DS one, I had played the Wii one. And I just kind of went back and played it on the 3DS earlier this year, and I talked about it in the show. I don't want to rethread old ground too much, but it was like, it was a fine Mario game. It was good in the sense that every Mario game is good, but uh, it it has nothing that makes itself stand out or be better than any other Mario game, you know? So uh, it kind of... I would I would put it at when I, when I look at the power ups, the level design, the gimmicks, like it's just the gold, like you know, the collecting coins is just not that fun of a gimmick as they wished it was. You know, like every Mario game has a gimmick, but you compare that to something like, um, you know, Cappy uh, on uh, on Mario Odyssey or like the anti gravity stuff on Galaxy or going back to the two D games like the uh, the Tanuki suit in Super Mario Brothers three and stuff like that. The they're all way more <laughs> yeah. or the cape on Mario World. They're all way more fun and interesting than just like oh yeah you got a bunch of coins you know like yeah there's coins in every Mario game so it doesn't it just doesn't feel that special or interesting and I feel like that game was kind of failed to drive home its uh. I don't know. It's it's value in the in the franchise. Ultimately, if I had to rank all the Mario games, that one might be in the bottom, if not like towards the bottom. Um. So yeah. And then Counter Strike Go. I I actually never played it, but I, I'm a, I'm an old school Counter Strike fan from like the previous iterations of it. I played 1.6 a lot. I played Source a bit. Uh, and then when Go came out, I was kind of like not uh, like over and uh, not it, into it anymore, and never really quite checked it out. But I know plenty of people that played it, and so, like, and that game is. Uh... I was going to say, go for it. That game is relevant to this day. Yes. You know, so it's one of those examples of, um, yeah, a game that just kind of stuck around with its live service format. Yeah, 10 years down later and it's still out. But but no, that was actually going to say like, the thing that I was surprising me is that CSGO came out in 2012. Because like, if you were to uh, you know just ask me, like, guess what year CSGO came out? I would have said 2007, 2008. Um, so this is just surprising to me like that. It, it's a 2012 game, so... I don't know, you would just, have said that because at, at that point people were playing Counter Strike. They, it was just not this one. Ah, uh, you know? okay, okay, okay. Yeah, interesting. But anyways, uh, yeah, 15 years ago in August of 2007, um, there was a little bit of a news story. I thought that was kind of funny. Nokia revealed their plans to revive its failing N-Gage brand. <laughs> if if you watch uh, 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 Cogs in a Machine, we 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 made fun of the N-Gage on air it was funny anyways they were they planned to revive its failing n-gauge brand in november of that year however this time the line will not be a console but rather a, a service players that can download onto nokia phones and pcs so hmm. that didn't quite work out for them but that's kind of funny um as far as the actual games that came out back then 15 years ago we got crazy taxi fair wars for the psp Mega Man star force for the for the DS. I had no idea that that was even a title, by the way. Uh, Tomb Raider Anniversary for PSP. Heroes of Mana for the DS. Madden NFL 8. Now, check this out. This game came out on GameCube, DS, PS2, PS3, PSP, the Wii, the Xbox, the Xbox 360, and PC. See, that's wow. what I need for these sports games to be like that. Uh, to be coming out on every platform under the sun. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um, Persona 3 came out for the PS2. Brain Age 2 came out for the DS. Bioshock, the seminal game that is Bioshock, came out on the Xbox 360 and PC. Definitely check out uh, our, our uh, one of the, our first DLCs where we did a, a spoiler cast for that. Uh, so we did. There's Carnival games for the DS and the Wii, and Metroid Prime 3 Corruption for the Wii. Fuck. Wow. 
Yeah, this is uh, especially a stronger li- a stronger list towards the towards the end here. Yeah, I know Bioshock that we took so long to play. I I had started Bioshock like three times before we actually like I actually sat through and played it all the way. Uh, thanks to the podcast that we did, so I'm glad that we do these things so that it forces me to actually finish games. Um, and and it's an exceptional game. It's still it's t- tans- uh, stood the test of time and 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 still enjoyable and and it's still cool to this day. Ready press play list of best games of all time. <laughs> Oh yeah, rightfully so. Uh, Metroid Prime Three Corruption. It's interesting because I think that game almost um, got a bad rap in comparison to the other two Metroid Prime games uh, that people seem to prefer, especially Metroid Prime One. Uh, but I still thought it was a really good game. Uh, I played that on the Wii. Uh, I also didn't beat it, but played it extensively uh, and had a really good time with it. So shout out! And you know, we're still waiting for the trilogy. Or at least some remake of these games to uh, be made accessible on the on the Switch. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that will come soon. Yeah. So just saying, a lot of franchises, obviously, like granted, there was a lot of portable ones and stuff like that, but a lot of franchise representation. Just noticing that, like so far, we're three for three for Madden games. So Madden games just come out in August, apparently. That's just like the unwritten rule. Uh, maybe there's some <laughs> some kind of licensing stuff, but we'll we'll definitely talk about the Madden stuff here in the twenty year bit, but. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say either, but I, I never I never played Metroid Prime 3. I played like the first five, ten minutes of it. thought it was cool. That's about it. <laughs> also, shout out to the developers that would put a game on the GameCube, the DS, PS2, PS3, <laughs> PSP, Wii, Xbox, Xbox 360, and PC in an era where you you didn't have like so much uh, like engine tools to very easily port and, and as much parity between different platforms either. They basically had to make a whole uh, new a, game, I would say. There had to be like a situation where like a different development team would basically make a DS version, a DS only version. You know. uh, like yeah. a Nowadays version. people make a people make a big deal about fucking supporting the PS4 and the PS5 at the same time. <laughs> Cry me a river, <laughs> fucking babies. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's like it's like GameCube, PS2, Wii, and Xbox is basically one skew essentially. PS3 and yeah. 360 is another skew. P- PS3, PS3, 360, PC. There you go. Essentially three skews. I wonder how the the DS and the PSP skews are go go like compare to each other. But yeah, anyway, I have no clue. There was uh, also a time frame where they would have like it would be like a Batman Arkham Asylum or, or Asylum yeah, on Black PS3, Gate. but then they would release yeah like Blackgate for like DS and yeah. Oh, no, no. That was, like, the worst. It's the worst whenever, like... And I bought, like, Lego Batman 2 or something like that for the 3DS, and it's basically not the console version, but I was thinking I was going to get the console version. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's, like, the the, the problems that we had to deal with back then. Uh, But anyways. Absolutely. August of uh, 2002 brings us to 20 years ago. Um, Now, here's here's, here's the thing about the Madden situation. I feel like there's got to be some kind of, like, licensing thing where, like, a contract goes live on a certain day, and then that's when they all do it because these games all came out on the same fucking day, okay? Madden NFL 2003 came out for just the PS2. NFL Blitz 2003 came out for just the PS2. uh, NFL Game Day 2003 came out for just the PS2. (laughs) <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck you got three nfl licensed games oh no a four li- nfl licensed game because nfl 2k3 came out for just the ps2 so that is so interesting i wonder if they're all just kind of trying to beat each other really it's like, like survival of the fittest because madden must have won but yeah madden 2k blitz which is more of an arcadey game and nfl game day that's four nfl games that all came out on the same day as each other 
on wow. just one Crazy. platform, by the way. Not even like did the X. Yeah, the Xbox existed in 2002. So yeah. So why didn't it come out for multiplat? Mm. But anyways, maybe the devs were all friends with each other and they just kind of call each other like, what wouldn't it be fun with? Like they made they made bets like which game was going to beat like each other on the NPD and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, no, but I was just saying, like, if I think I think if something someone one of these games like made an Xbox only skew, then that would have been like, OK, I guess. But yeah, no, just interesting thought there. Um, and I think that's the last time in this in this uh, anniversary list that we're talking about Madden. Uh, so Duke Nukem Advance came out for the Game Boy Advance. Um, Street Hoops PS2. Uh, Street Hoops came out for the PS2. NCAA Game Breaker 2003 came out for the PS2. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 came out for the N- Nintendo 64. I believe it might have been a port. Uh, I think it might have came out of the PS1 before that. Uh, Super Monkey Ball 2 came out for the GameCube. Super Mario Sunshine came out for the GameCube, SOCOM US Navy SEALs PS2, Twisted Metal Black Online for the PS2, Onimusha 2, Samurai's Destiny for the PS2, and Turok Evolution for the PS2. Again, this is such a jam-packed ass fucking, like, we're, we're, we don't have, this is like the most mature to talk about in any given yeah. uh, temple of time. For sure, for sure. There, There's a little bit of my shame list here because I shamefully have never played Super Mario Sunshine, <sighs> even though I now own the version on the Switch, uh, which we, I think we talked about this in the podcast before. And uh, and then Super Monkey Ball 2, as I was, I've never played anything on that franchise. Wow. But Tony Hawk is the shit, so I played a lot of that when I was a kid in the early 2000s with my cracked PS1 that I would put pirated games on because, you know, that's how we did it back in, in the hoods of Brazil. Uh, <laughs> I think Mario Sunshine is going to be on the OGAT list for 2023 for sure. Um, <laughs> but you know what's kind of funny is they patched the Switch version to support have native GameCube controller support. So it, it basically makes That's it true. The, the definitive uh, version because before the GameCube support uh, um, you know patch happened, like the flood only had zero to a hundred. There was no nuance because the pressure sensitive triggers on the GameCube allowed for you to do like a half or a quarter like spray, you know, like the length of the spray. Yeah. So that now it just sort of makes it like the better version now. You get the pretty visuals. That, that's a good example of a game that nostalgia was kind to, by the way, when you think about it. Because like I, I think that when I when we were younger and this game was still relatively recent, it wasn't perceived as being that great of a game. In fact, I think it was often thought of like as one of the worst Mario games. Yeah. And then I think more recently with the people that grew up with it getting older and starting to participate in the discourse more. Uh, then you're seeing a lot. I've 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 seen more love for this game in the last like five years than I did ever before. Yeah, because if you were uh, eight you, to eleven years old in 2002, now you're 28 to 31 now. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oof. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I feel like Onimusha. I've heard of that franchise, but I don't know. Like, I I guess it does it get love. I don't know, but just. Just put it on there. I, I'd call. I'd, I'd put it in the cult hit uh, category, right? Like, I. But I. I never. I never played them either. Yeah, I know Turok from like the Nintendo sixty four days, by the way. And I think there was like a story mm-hmm. we talked about recently how like the, the original source code for the sixty four version got like put on PC and now it's on four K and all these go, go these textures and something like that. I feel. I feel like I vaguely remember something like something like that. But whatever. Anyways, we'll move on. Twenty five years ago brings us to August of nineteen ninety seven. Uh, Mega Man X4 came out for the PlayStation 1 and Sega Saturn. Tetrasphere came out for the Nintendo 64. The big seminal... What is that? Oh, it's Tetris, but in 3D, like a, like a sphere. Uh, Interesting. I had no idea that that existed. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Imperialism came out for the PC, and the big seminal heavy hitter game was GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. First off, very... And by the way, all four of these releases were the only things that came out in, in, in August. Like, there were no other... I literally filtered nothing. <laughs> so that's why I put imperialism yeah. on here. So I think it's kind of funny that an entire month in the gaming industry, only four releases. But, you know, I would say two out of four ain't bad because I think Mega Man, the X series, is, like, really well regarded. And it's part of, like, the X Legacy collection. Um, and then GoldenEye, you know... It definitely didn't age well, but at the time, it was basically like what Halo is to us or what Call of Duty is to us, is to us today, essentially. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's possible to enjoy GoldenEye nowadays if you just missed it, you know? No. Hell no. Hell to the fucking no. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I never heard of imperialism. Didn't I'm not even going to bother Google searching it, but here it is. Just throwing it out Sounds there. Sounds like I'm just going to guess that it's a civilization-like. Yeah, I was <laughs> Given actually... the time frame that it's on PC and the name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my person. That's my like go-to guess. So did you uh, Google Tetrisphere and what do you think? Uh, yeah, I looked at it. It looks interesting. I don't know. It kind of, it almost gives me a sort of Mario Galaxy vibes in this weird way in the sense that there's like, you see like the little, like, you see a sphere that looks like, like a planet, you know, like in the middle of the screen. And then you're just kind of like going around it and like letting the blocks fall. It just seems, it's just not something we need, I think, which is why that uh, we, we haven't seen this franchise back. I don't know if Tetraminos can make a sphere, but you know, whatever. Yeah. By the way, that's what they're called <laughs> canonically. The shapes, they're called Tetraminos. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard, I've, I've definitely heard that before. All right. 30 years ago, August of 1992, got a correction. Uh, I Apparently in February, I, I looked at all the old show notes. Somehow I missed it. But back in February, the Super Scope was released for the Super Nintendo. So a peripheral. It was basically like the sequel to like the Zapper, the NES Zapper. Um, don't think it quite worked or not say quite worked. It worked like literally, but it didn't quite like land. Um, so yeah, that, that happened. But... To counter out that was bad news, we got the start of a, of a mega franchise on August 27th. Nintendo released Super Mario Kart, which is the first game in the Mario Kart series. It created the mascot go-kart subgenre of racing games, and it was basically the first ever like spin-off Mario game where like that's the first time Nintendo realized that they can put Mario on something else other than a platform. That's what led the way to really? like Mario Tennis, you know, you know, Mario whatever the fuck, you know. It's like that led the way. It paved the way for Nintendo to do more with Mario. You know, I would argue that Mario was in Punch-Out before. He was also in Golf. And that was a boxy game. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in Golf for the NES as like a box art. But, and also Yeah, like, but I get yeah. that this is the first canonically like true. And it's also those other games Mario is just kind of like a a like cameo, a yeah. Cameo in right, as opposed to being like a primary character in it. Uh, yeah. You know what? Like the original uh Super Mario Kart in the in the Super Nintendo is a fun game, and I think that it's one of those things where Mario. Kart, I, I honestly look at Mario Kart as a franchise that tends to get better with every iteration. Uh, there are exceptions to that rule. Uh, but for the most part, I often feel like the latest game is it tends to be better than the than the previous one, but. Uh, th this is one of those games where like, it it's not, it's not a situation where if you go back, you can't find enjoyment on the original release because it's so old. Uh, it is old. It is not as good as the, as you know, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe the controls at all. Are hard to deal with. It's yeah. The physics yeah. are not intuitive. Um, but it's still, it's still kind of neat yeah. to play to this day. I, I would argue. 
Yeah, and it's got its scene. It's got its pro scene. Uh, the people that like to do like time trials and the people that like to do versus battle. Like there was a convention where like somebody was like, "I'll pay you five dollars if you can beat me at at balloon battle and Super Mario Kart," and no one can. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's like the Saitama thing on One Punch Man where he's trying to find someone who's equal <laughs> but he can't. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, but. I will say I'm not. It's like I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, like a hot take to say that Super Mario Kart is the worst Mario Kart to ever Mario Kart. So yeah, possibly yeah. Like <laughs> l- like I said, like I, I I feel like yeah, it gets better with with a uh, Mario Kart 64, and I feel like that gets better with Double Dash. And then I know a lot of people look at the Wii one as a like a step back. misstep, right? Oh, yeah. But then we get Mario Kart Seven, which is great, and and uh, the Wii one, uh, Mario Kart Eight is great, and Eight Deluxe is just eight with more. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the only Mario Kart that could be considered to be like the worst version, worse than Super Mario Kart is the Mario Kart Advance or I don't know what it's called. Uh, I don't know. A Super Circuit. I think it's called Super Circuit. It's the Game Boy Advance version. And it's basically a Super Mario Kart because it's the same engine because, you know, Game Boy Advance is basically a portable Super Nintendo. Right. And mm-hmm. um, the the only the one thing that the Super uh, the Mario Kart Advance has is that it's the first Mario Kart to ever feature retro tracks because all of the Super Mario mm-hmm. Kart tracks were ported over. They're unlockable, mm-hmm. so that's kind of what makes it cool. So yeah. Anyways, thirty five years ago, August of nineteen eighty seven, on August twenty second, Nintendo released The Legend of Zelda in America and Europe. A year later, after being available in Japan, we talked about it on last year's Temple of Time. We talked about The Legend of Zelda. Um, August 28th, Konami releases Castlevania II Simon's Quest, the second Castlevania title released for the NES, and finally on August 30th, Capcom releases Street Fighter, the first game of the series. Uh, I think there was like a like a logo I've been seeing like Street Fighter 35 or something like that. It's basically like yeah. the 35th anniversary. Uh, nobody cares about Street Fighter One. First off, let's just. Just put it out there. Like, even, like, it's just a historical piece. It's like, it's like a story in piece. It didn't pop off. Uh-huh. Uh, I tried playing it. It's it's very, the con- the controls are not, they don't even work. They don't register your inputs, like, the way they should. So, yeah. Oh. But, yeah, it's it's cool. You got Ryu, you got Ken, you got Sagat. So, that's about it. <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't have Street Fighter 2 if it wasn't for Street Fighter 1, am I right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a learning experience for, for Capcom, I'd imagine. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we talked about le- the original Legend of Zelda. It's one of those games that it's hard going back to. You need a guide to uh, to finish it, you know. And it's I don't I don't think it necessarily stands the test of time as much. We've been saying we we use that term a lot in this uh, in the segment, but still, it is the precursor to the series, and in a lot of ways, is what inspired Breath of the Wild. They look back at what the original Zelda did, and they even had prototyped Breath of the Wild in that. You know, in that, that uh, art style and that engine and stuff. So, um, you know, it's a very seminal and, and important game. Okay. All right. And 40 years ago, August 1982, Nintendo releases Donkey Kong Jr., the sequel to Donkey Kong. Taito releases a parallax scroller game called Jungle Hunt. Overlooked arcade games are revitalized as ColecoVision launch titles, including Cosmic Avenger, Mousetrap, Ladybug, and Venture. I would say, like, burying the lead there, but I would say, like, the bigger thing is the fact that the ColecoVision launched. Because uh, mm-hmm. I never heard of any of those games, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, ColecoVision is basically, like, a home console. I think it might have been part of, like, the second generation of game consoles, because, like, the NES is, like, the third generation. Um, so, yeah, uh, D- Donkey Kong Jr. and Jungle Hunt were arcade games. Um, not much to say, uh, personally. I don't 
think I've ever played Donkey Kong Jr. I think I might have seen gameplay of it. Um, it was like Mario was like a total asshole and like caged up yeah. Donkey Kong. <laughs> and you need, and a I never played it either, but I, I think the funniest thing about it is this concept that like, you know, the first game is, you know, Mario saving the princess from Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. And the second game is basically Donkey Kong's revenge in a way. Or like the, the you know, the flipped script yeah. where Mario's the villain and kidnapped Donkey Kong's kid and then Donkey Kong is saving. Like, can you imagine? Like, I that is one of the very few examples where we've done that, right? Like, how can... Like the hero become the imagine, villain. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? Like imagine a game where that that did that where like on the second game you play as the villain of the first game against the hero of the first. You know, I actually the closest thing I can think of was done in, within the same game with The Last of Us Part 2, spoilers. Mm. Um, but even that is a different kind of situation. So, um, yeah, it would it would be interesting to see a game do that again when you think about it. <laughs> All right, 45 years ago in August of 1977, uh, Tim Anderson, Mark Blank, Bruce Daniels, and Dave LeBling, the future founders of Infocom, which I think we might have name-dropped them before, uh, developed the first version of Zork on a PDP-10 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Laboratory for Computer Science, or just MIT for short. So, yeah, Zork. I think uh, Zork was one of those kind of situations where, like, that's been ported so many times and like it's there's so many versions mm-hmm. of it but zork uh this this thing that we're talking about here in 1977 this is the very first iteration of it so yeah there it is cool not much to say nothing to, <laughs> nothing to add nothing <laughs> all right so yeah a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a like a what what at the end but you know otherwise it's still like probably the most fattest temple of time ever so yeah congratulations yeah, for August. Sure. <laughs> all right let's move on to their topics of discussion. Hey, listen. Okay. So we got some interesting stuff here. The first thing that we're going to talk about here is Sony is crying foul because it believes that <laughs> Xbox owning Call of Duty could influence users and console choice. So let's, let's sort of like, I'm going to sort of like skim around on this. This, uh, this comes from VGC, written by a friend of the show, Andy Robinson. Pretty sure we've seen that name many times here. Uh, let's see here. So... Sony's response to the whole situation with like Microsoft, you know, buying Activision. There's a we got a transcription from VGC and it says mostly outlines that its current states of AAA game development. Uh, what the hell for the Brazilian regulator? Hmm, interesting. Maybe I skipped too much, but it says here. However, large portions highlight the importance of the, uh, the PlayStation firm puts on like Call of Duty front puts in Call of Duty, a franchise which it claims influences users' console choice in its questionnaire. In its questionnaire answers, Sony calls Call of Duty, quote, an essential game, a blockbuster, a triple-A game that has no rival. According to a 2019 study, the importance of Call of Duty to entertainment in general is indescribable, the company said. The brand was the only video game IP to break into top 10 of all entertainment brands among among fans, joining powerhouses such as Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings. So... All of all entertainment, Call of Duty is in the top 10. It's the only thing that's video game. Call of Duty is so popular that it influences users' choice of console, and its community of loyal, loyal users is entrenched enough that even if a competitor had the budget to develop a similar product, it would not be able to rival it. Sony went on to explain how the huge resources Activision puts behind Call of Duty are the core reason why it believes that the first-person shooter series is unlikely to be rivaled by a competitor. Quote, 
Each annual Call of Duty release takes around three to five years to develop. As Activision releases one Call of Duty game per year, this equates to an annual investment of hundreds of millions of dollars, it explains. Approximately 1,200 people work on each version and another 1,500 are involved in publishing and distribution. Thus, Call of Duty alone has more, more developers than most game company employees than most game companies employ across its entire development portfolio, including AAA Studios. Also, given its plans to recruit 2,000 additional developers by 2021, Activision probably expects Call of Duty to become even more successful in the future. No other development can devote the same level of resources and expertise in game development. Even if they could do that, Call of Duty is overly entrenched so that no rival, no matter how relevant they are, can catch up. Sony went on to note that Call of Duty has been the top-selling game for almost every year for the past decade and for its genre, is over overwhelmingly the best-selling game. It's synonymous with first-person shooters and, essential, and essentially defines that category. This is also demonstrated by player engagement on social media. Call of Duty has over 24 million followers on Facebook versus 7 million for Battlefield and over 12 million followers on Instagram versus 2 million for Battlefield. Oh my God. Uh, it added, <laughs> to, say, to say the least, players would, unlikely, would be unlikely to switch to alternative games as they would, uh, as they would lose that familiar, familiarity, those skills, and even the friends they've made playing the Call of Duty games. Even in, weaker, even in weaker years like 2021, Call of Duty still managed to outperform most other games by considerable margin. Call of Duty Vanguard, for example, was widely regarded as a weaker uh, than previous titles, but it was still one of the best-selling games of 2021. In other words, even in a bad year, players re uh, remain loyal to the brand and continue to buy the game. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. So, Dan, sir, what's your, what's your, what's your read on this? This is an Arby's. Um, so... It the Activision should hire, you know, whoever it is working at Sony that wrote out the stuff. They should have them run their marketing because this is a huge, <laughs> this is such good marketing for Call of Duty when you really think about it. They're, <laughs> they're like they're making Call of Duty seem like this like amazing, incredible thing. Uh, when we know how the games industry really perceives Call of Duty, it's like it's it's a lot of the same. Uh, there's nothing crazy innovative about it. It's still like a very competently developed game and 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 it's crazy that it kind of operates like clockwork we got a new one every year and and there are crunch issues with the studios there are some times where shit has to get cut like a whole campaign was cut from one of the call of duty games a few years ago um but still they just always come out and they always hit that best-selling uh you know status that we cover on npd results or every the fact month that here. we talked about npd that there were three call of duty games in one npd that one that one month it, here's the interesting thing here, though, is like th this is almost like sort of like a story about not a bunch of nothing, in my opinion, because um, it's all about Call of Duty when Sony or Microsoft is not buying Call of Duty. They're buying Activision Blizzard, right? Like, I feel like you could make a much more compelling argument talking about the company as a whole and everything they own and do and their value and stuff like that than making it all about this one franchise. That seems a little odd to me. It almost feels like it's like two laser focused on this one thing, which is the biggest thing, but it's still just like talking about this one thing. Um, the other thing, you know, you mentioned the Brazilian government that, you know, confused you when you when you read that. It's, this came out of, uh, um, it was questions from the Brazil regulatory body. Uh, and then these are the answers from the companies that were asked by this re regulatory body. So the only, this is probably happening in all regions. The only difference is that Brazil's government, for whatever reason, made this public, uh, which is why it's becoming a story. Uh, but really, I feel like there is no story here. Like, even if when you look at the headline, 
Uh, Sony says it believes Xbox owning Call of Duty could influence users' console choice. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, just like Sony owning other studios that it owns, just like Sony owning Bungie and owning Destiny could influence users' console choices. That is the reason why Microsoft even bought them, right? And the other thing, too, is that they make all of this about Call of Duty when Microsoft actually already stated that Call of Duty will remain, um, like, on other platforms. They're not going to be taking it away. Now, here's the funny thing. I... I almost look at this whole thing and I'm like, if I was kind of like a like a judge in a court and, you know, this argument had been presented, I would kind of look at it as like, so what? Like, it, it just doesn't feel like it, it just feels like they're complimenting Call of Duty. Uh, but it just to me, it kind of doesn't feel like uh, that compelling of a legal argument. Like they compare it to other entertainment franchises here, like Star Wars and, and other shit. Well, Star Wars got bought, too. You know, they were still able to buy Star Wars. It's not like this was enough. It's not like Star Wars being as big as it was. It was enough of an argument for it not to be purchased. So why would this be enough of an argument for Activision not to be purchased? All of this being said, I am not for the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. I don't think it is good for the industry. But I also don't think anything that we read in the story is a compelling enough legal argument to not allow the purchase to go through when we saw so many other purchases happen in <laughs> other industries you know, and it's also, like I said, it's a bunch of no shit. It's like, yeah, it will influence your console purchase choices. That's why they made that purchase. That's why you guys bought, you know, Destiny. That's why you guys bought Insomniac and all these other studios too, because that helps build your portfolio of content. And it's not even Call of Duty, which is likely to be, you know, building Xbox's portfolio of content. It's probably going to be other shit that Activision Blizzard does. So I don't know why make it all about Call of Duty. I think the scale. Uh, but anyway, I think the scale is. I think nothing. No one wants to say that Insomniac buying Insomniac doesn't influence console uh, buyers' decisions. I just think that there's like, uh, it's like that drop off. And we're talking about like how like one uh, on uh, e on Evo, how like one game is like two thousand. The next thing you know, it's like a big steep steep decline between yeah. like two thousand and one thousand. You know. Um, I uh -huh. think it's a situation where like Call of Duty just has no rival. I think I think I mentioned it on uh, Double XP. Like the only thing I can think of that would even rival it, it would be like Fortnite. And even right. then, like Call of Duty made Call of Duty Warzone to compete in that arena. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, like they just uh, just seeing it like the way that it was laid out, how they have these many developers more than uh, than uh, than like our portfolio like basically saying like hey we have there's more employees working on call of duty right now than are that are at our employee you know what i mean so it's like yeah that's that's an interesting way of thinking about it it's like uh, there's they they don't have the bandwidth to compete in any in even if they did there's too much brand loyalty to even want to even try to compete you know what i mean that's kind of like how i'm reading it um, I just don't know if like they're too good at this is a, is a legal argument, you know, or like <laughs> can, 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 can hold any legal ground like, um, I don't know, like, it's not like, it's like they're mean. I don't think <laughs> it's basically like a child. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's kind of what it that's kind of what it feels like. And I was just like a little like childish in that in that sense. And, and like I said, I, I actually agree with the sentiment. Like, I don't want to I don't want to see this consolidation of the industry. I don't want to see stuff taken away from platforms. I, I don't want to see, I, I want to see the opposite. I want to see all games come out on everything. Like that is the ideal future industry for me. Like um, I would, I would like to like be able to buy like one box and be able to play, play all the games on it, or maybe have the boxes uh, diversify in technology and not in like just, just in games. Like, 
what if I could play any game portably on my Switch equivalent in the future, you know, like the, it's my, my Switch Pro or whatever, or play it uh, at home in, you know, an Xbox or a PlayStation. I know we're never going to be there, but I'm just saying, I I don't defend the consolidation of the industry. I don't defend Microsoft and Sony buying these studios, but I also don't see like, hey, like Call of Duty is so massive. It's so big, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that just doesn't seem like, to me like it's a it's a uh, I mean it's strong enough to hold in a in a court. I would say like there was maybe some kind of moderate proof about these claims. Like if you think about the Xbox 360 generation, who had the Call of Duty marketing brand deal? Like every time there was a Call of Duty commercial, and at the end it says Xbox, right? The 360 fucking splash screen, right? So like right. people associated Call of Duty with the Xbox 360, and that's where. It, that's where the 360 thrived. And then suddenly you start associating Call of Duty with the PS4 and then the PlayStation 4 thrives. Because I don't know if you remember this, but like the very first year coming in at Evo, uh, E3 2013, Call of Duty had the brand deal uh, for Xbox. Like it was there, not on PlayStation 4. It didn't come out the PlayStation 4 right at the gate. They were still like uh, grandfathering in their, their Xbox 360 brand deal. Uh, you know, they were keeping it going. Right. Um, and suddenly, when you switch over from a marketing perspective, now the console buyer's choice is going to go and swing completely the other way. Um, yeah, just a thought. Right. Um, I mean, we'll see, right? I, I think that uh, if if the purchase goes through and, and uh, assuming Call of Duty remains multi-platform, which it sounds like it will, um, I don't know how much it's really going to influence everything, but I understand that Sony's probably concerned about it. Uh, something that you guys talked about on Double XP was, you know, how Sony makes 30% of, uh, you know, any sale on their platform. So, yeah, take take how much, like, Call of Duty sold on PlayStation, uh, multiply that by the price, multiply that by 0.3, and it results a sh- on a sh- the result is a shit ton of money, yeah. right? So. They, they're probably worried about the prospect of losing that, which might even be part of the reason why they bought Destiny, because I kind of feel like Destiny and Call of Duty sort of compete in a in a similar realm so that they have the they have the card like they have a card to play. Right. Like like, yeah, Call of Duty remains uh, multi-platform. It's all good. Destiny remains multi-platform. But if Microsoft ever wants to pull Call of Duty just on on Xbox, then Sony is able to to play the the Destiny card. Well, Destiny is just PlayStation now, and I I know they're not in the same level, but you know it's 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 similar. I just you know I just random, multiplayer I just shooter. I thought of like mm-hmm. a scene from Captain America: Civil War, where like uh, um, the, the 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 whole the whole Sokovia Accords things was in question, and they were argue, they were arguing with each other about whether or not to sign the accords or not. And you know, like they were going back and forth with this in the mm-hmm. scene with Tony and and uh, and Cap, and they were like saying, "It's like, yo, this is a good idea. It's the government. We gotta like in." And then and then Steve said, "Yeah, but the uh, people's agendas change or whatever, like that kind of stuff." And mm-hmm. that sort of like makes me think about like right now, like it's all good guy Microsoft right now, and Microsoft can say this right now, but. Like someone like Phil Spencer may not always be in charge. You know, we talked about even like PlayStation and how they had like their yeah. corporate executive shuffle. Shuffles happen, right? And then suddenly yeah. now it's not like the same consumer friendly decisions. So now. No, that is totally fair. Yeah. So now you're going to be in a situation where maybe they will hold themselves accountable to their word now because the people in power are, are about yeah. their life. But then when someone else is in charge, they don't have to honor or subscribe. They could start undermining. You know what I mean? So and and 
and you pretty much summarized why I am not a fan of these big acquisitions in general because like you know Microsoft like you said like they're they're cool right now and they start buying a bunch of companies we're like oh yeah cool Microsoft is cool you know and like Sony's cool so yeah they can buy stuff too because they're cool you know but they may not always be cool what if there's some like CEO changes and suddenly there's somebody in there that really wants to push the blockchain and NFT no longer wants to do single player games it's all like a live service microtransactions free to play and like everything that you in particular dislike you know and there's all these studios that you used to love the shit that they do and now it's all ruined right like and all being affected by these new decisions that's why i kind of prefer things to stay independent just like and and studios can still run themselves into the ground over time independently don't get me wrong but at least like you know if somebody gets run to the ground they're only taking themselves with it and it's not a situation where you could have like you know if we're going to get to a point where if Microsoft goes down, a lot of things are going down with it. And I don't even mean, or Xbox specifically, and I don't even mean go down as in they go bankrupt or something, because we know that's not going to happen anytime soon with that company. But it could even be in strategy, right? Like it's the dumb metric comes back and suddenly, you know, everything is <laughs> uh, is going to ruin again. So you're right. Like you never know. So that's why it's generally best for things to just kind of remain independent and multi-platform, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, we should probably move on to... All right, that was just the, the first story. story. Let's go ahead and move on to the next story from Polygon. This says, Grand Theft Auto 6 will star a female playable character, according to a report. So cultural shifts at Rockstar are slowly are slowing development and changing the game itself. So new details on Grand Theft Auto 6 have seemingly been revealed by Bloomberg in a new report from uh, developer Rockstar Games. The report is about the changing culture at the company and how it, it may impact the development of the studio's upcoming project which happens to be GTA. Uh, tellingly, one of the game's main protagonists will reportedly be a, wo a woman, a first for the series. According to Bloomberg, she will be a Latina who will star alongside someone else uh, in a story influenced by a Bonnie and Clyde type, type story. Uh, GTA 6 will be set in a fictionalized version of Miami and the surrounding areas, while original plans for the game world uh, that have covered many locations throughout the North and South America were scrapped. The world remains extremely large and it must and includes more indoor locations than any previous GTA game, according to Bloomberg. This change of location was specifically made to help keep the game's ambition and scope a little more realistic, hopefully avoiding this, uh, the kinds of development crunch that Rockstar titles have been uh, known for. Throughout the development of GTA 6, Rockstar has apparently been careful to avoid overtime in general, unlike on previous games. However, the change would have come with the predictable side effect of slowing down the game's development while it's been in development since 2014. Holy shit. Uh, developers who talked uh, to Bloomberg say that GTA 6 is likely still at least two years away and that the progress is extremely slow. Uh, though it's worth noting that the pandemic has likely contributed to these de uh, these delays as well as Rockstar's new healthier policies. But in development work on GTA 6 won't stop when the game is released either. When the initial game when the initial game world will just focus on its fictional Miami, Bloomberg's report says that Rockstar plans to continually update the game, adding new side missions and cities. The goal is uh, the goal with this too is to uh, mitigate crunch and overtime in the game's final uh, months in development. It also sounds remarkably similar to the strategy that the company has employed with the great successes of GTA Online. Uh, so, anyways, I think I, I'm going to stop it there. There's really not much more to say. Uh, we know a little bit about the game's development and also just the company's culture, trying to be more woke, you know, get that girl power thing going on, do a Bonnie and Clyde story. Dan, what's your take? 
<laughs> well, I, I think it's awesome to have a female character on GTA, honestly. I mean, uh, how many generic ass, you know, like male, uh, male characters are we going to have in these games? Not like the characters are not interesting or different or whatever, but I feel like that will bring such a different kind of flavor to the series. And I hope that they stick with what, like, GTA is uh, in the sense that, like, I don't want them to uh, tone shit down just because they have a woman as the main character, right? Like, the best way to represent equality <laughs> is if they have, like, a badass criminal woman, like, yeah. leading this game, just like they've had badass criminal men in, in previous games, right? So, um, GTA so Five had, like, a lot of, like, like hard to watch, kind of, like, turning away from the, like, the TV kind of scenes. Like, how, how would that play when those scenes happen if it's the woman doing it? Uh, here's the thing. I th I think they gotta like. I I think they gotta do it right. I think there's a right way to do it, and I'm not the one to figure that out. <laughs> uh, but it's like here here's the thing. There is a certain level of cringe with GTA, right? Yeah. And like when people talk about how like comedy changes over time and comedy evolves and stuff, I think a lot of it is like certain things that are like funny at one point it start just kind of becoming cringy at another point. Mm. Like I'm sure you've listened to your parents say things. That in their time, it was like, oh, this was cool and funny and stuff. And nowadays, it's just kind of like, eh. Not cool. <laughs> you know, like, eh, yeah. not, that's not cool yeah. or whatever, right? Like, and I, I think what a lot of people sometimes call, like, going woke or whatever is this kind of just changing as a society and like realizing that like once that certain things get too played out they're just not funny anymore they just kind of become like the the funny aspect of it goes away the more played out it gets and then it just kind of becomes more aware the inappropriateness of it or whatever or like the kind of cringier aspects of it Let's, let me read so this, i uh, think a lot of people oh what's up what? go for it go for it no i think a lot of people uh on the internet have kind of taken this story in a like a direction where they're like worried about uh rockstar losing you know what made gta fun or what made gta uh what it is uh and what i say to that is like i think we should reserve our judgment uh for when the game comes out right like when the game comes out and you play it and you see what it is and and it's true that like hey like they totally tuned everything down and the game sucks now or whatever like that's a fair criticism right now i don't think that's what they're doing i think what they mean is like hey this game is going to come out more than 10 years after the original game come, came out. Like, it would honestly be weird if the jokes were all the same. Like, people talked about this with Borderlands, by the way. That Borderlands 3 came out last year, and it was still doing the same kind of humor that it did when Borderlands 1 came out. Like, poop humor and shit. And, like, people just didn't find that as funny anymore. And now that the people that played Borderlands 1 back in 2009 or whatever are in their 30s, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I... I just kind of think that I think it makes sense for the franchise to evolve. Like, I don't want GTA to be stuck on on its, like, stuck in time. I want it to evolve, but I want it to maintain the things that made it what it is, which is that kind of, like, extravagant weirdness and, and just not giving a fuck about, you know, political correctness and stuff like that. And I think that they are able to make a game that is uh, kind of more modern and, 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 like, takes into account modern sensibilities while still like being uh outrageous and still being different and unique right. and kind of keeping some of that humor all right let me read these last two paragraphs of the story here i shouldn't i probably i probably prematurely ended the story here bloomberg's report mentions that rockstar was known was known for having a workplace culture full of drinking brawling and excursions to strip clubs 
<laughs> this version of the company made GTA games that attempted to find satire in every part of American life, frequently by making jokes at the most vulnerable people in American society and leaning into cheap stereotypes, undercutting many of the game's more salient criticism, criticisms and best jokes. But apparently the studio hopes to be a new Rockstar Games now. It's already removed several transphobic jokes from the re-release of GTA V. For Grand Theft Auto VI, Bloomberg says that the developers are conscious of trying not to make jokes at the expense of marginalized groups of people. Uh, yeah, marginalized groups and people, but still. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about that. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like you got it's just dulling you. It's like, yeah, you're 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 it's not you're not you don't have a sharp you don't have a sharp knife now. It's like you're you're being turned into like this this like I don't know kitty gloves. It just mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just feel like uh, I I'm I for one I'm like very much like um, even to this day I'm very like open to those kinds of jokes and stuff like that. I don't really feel like when those kind of like Hispanic jokes are made, I don't feel like it's at the expense of me or you know I, I don't feel marginalized by it. That's just me personally though, and I'm like I'm just I don't know. Uh, I think I think I'm of a, just of a different mindset. I think uh, I don't know. Like it just feels like younger people tend to be very like loud and cry foul for any little thing. I don't think people have enough uh, thick yeah. skin these days. Uh, that's just me personally. Yeah. Like my like my view of things and like just seeing that like the new Rockstar games. It's just like oof. It's like you're you're losing I, yourself. I just feel like it's one of those things where like I I think it's fair to look at this and potentially be concerned in the sense of like wait is a uh, like is is rockstar gonna lose that effect of uh you know the like like i was just talking about like sort of like the the outrageousness that they had like are they gonna lose their like the nature of like being non-pc making fun of everything sat make, being a satire of american life um because of these statements and i i think i i see why some people would be worried about that but i i think that we're not getting the full the full story here and I think that this is like even the story that got this report, they might have been intentionally trying to appeal to a particular type of audience. Uh, and I and I think that it's a little bit deeper than that, because I would like to believe that at Rockstar that they know what makes their game stick and that they're not going to like they're they're going to evolve their formula and be aware of like modern sensibilities. But I don't think they're going to lose um lose track of what is like at the core of like their humor and stuff so i what what i like to the way the way i like to look at it is i kind of want to reserve my judgment until i see what actually comes out in the game because it's still in development things go through different iteration and listen like there's different kinds of people working on the game now and and some people left and culture changed and you know if if the previous culture was full of drinking brawling and excursion to strip clubs it's probably changing for the best <laughs> and that might reflect in the game in some way but i think i think it is it doesn't sound to me like an impossible task to make a new gta game that is a little bit more culturally aware and evolved and still hits because that's just like saying like oh there's no good comedian unless they're like you know um sticking to comedy from 10 years ago there are good comedians that have like, there are good comedians that are inappropriate, but there are also good comedians that have evolved and have become more aware of, like, modern cultural sensibilities and that are still funny as hell. Like, honestly, maybe that's a hot take or something, but I find John Mulaney really funny. Like, I, I still think that's funny. 
Um, and and he's like a more modern uh comedian, right? That like does things a certain way or whatever. So I don't know. I think it's really about like how they do it and not as much like what they're doing. Hmm. Uh, so I kind of want to reserve judgment until I see it hmm. in the game. And a bit of an extra news here before we move on. Early GTA 6 plans reportedly featured four protagonists and three cities. So there we go. Um, yeah, not much to say there. I'll go ahead and move on. It says here, Eidos Mon- Montreal founder believes that Sony may be interested in Square Enix. Dan, do I really need to read the story? I think I feel like the headline just sort of speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about Sony buying Square Enix? Is it going to happen? Um, or should it happen? I feel like that's a, it's a good like match made in heaven kind of thing. Uh, like Square Enix and Sony, they're both Japanese as fuck companies, right? So why not? Right. Um, there's a lot of they had the Final Fantasy 15 like exclusivity. Uh, well, was it like a timed exclusivity, I guess, or whatever? Like that was definitely a marketing deal. A lot of like Square Enix shit tends to come to PlayStation. So I feel like there's a lot of what, there's like Final Fantasy series. The Tomb Raider was basically PS1 first party essentially at the time. Like, yeah, like fine. Why not? You know, I don't really see a problem with that, especially because I feel like I feel like uh, Square Enix's portfolio just gels with the kind of output that plus sony is known for anyways so yeah why not yeah i mean it is a purchase that would make sense it would probably make more sense than microsoft buying activision blizzard and they're also not nearly as big of a company as activision blizzard uh but at the same time i am consistent with my position that like i just don't want more consolidation in the industry i want it less so i am not necessarily gonna celebrate (laughs) if playstation does end up acquiring square enix um but we'll see i mean i I think that it very well could happen actually um especially as um the microsoft deal kind of goes through and gets finalized i'm sure that sony is kind of strategizing like we'll see um, we'll raise you like we'll see your bet and raise you then you're like yeah i don't know yeah i think they want to make sure that they can compete and also make sure that you know like if we like here's the thing if sony buys them then that's a guarantee microsoft won't you know so (laughs) yeah that's Fair enough. That's something they got to be thinking about too. Yeah. So let's see here. Uh, did, hmm. So it says here, like Crystal Dynamics was it? Wait, Crystal Dynamics was, was sold to Embracer Group. And this, I'm trying to think. We covered that in the show. We talked about. Yeah, it I know. I remember time, that. I, I just, I don't remember that. I thought Crystal Dynamics still belonged to Square, but I guess that Square just like broke them off or something. Uh, yeah, basically, Square sold all of their Western studios, so now they only have the Eastern. Oh, those stuff. bastards! No job. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Okay. So they sold all their Western studios to uh, to Embracer. Uh, that included um, Crystal, what's the other one? Idos Montreal and Square Enix Montreal. Those bastards. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that was like a poor business decision on their part. I don't know. It's like it's like you're losing a hand for three hundred million dollars. <laughs> but whatever. Anyways, I don't really have much to say about it. I I don't know. I'm just sort of ambivalent, I guess, to this one. Like as as in like if it happens. I don't know if I would celebrate, but I also wouldn't cry foul either. I would kind of sort of like kind of do a golf clap. <laughs> That's kind of how I sort of see it. <laughs> um, next bit. Uh, it's the uh, Annapurna Interactive Showcase. Dan, why the hell did you put this in top news? Is it? Is it? Is this? Um... I mean, every time there's been a, you know, like an E3 show or whatever, if there was like a roundup for it, I threw it in there. But also I threw it in there before there were other news to <laughs> throw it in there. Uh <laughs> But, you know, we're, we talk about Annapurna sometimes, and they did a showcase. There's some announcements from it. So go and check it out if you'd like. I, I think the main news story to come out of it is thirsty. at the very end. Oh, that, I was thinking Thirsty Suitors. Uh, 
Yes, we'll talk about that game in a second. But what re- what remains of Edith Finch uh, is available on PS5 and Xbox Series X in 4K and runs at 60 FPS now. Uh, it's free for people that own the PS4 and Xbox One version. So there's like a uh, an upgrade, like a next gen upgrade uh, to that game, basically. Yes. Available to whoever owns it. Uh, it is a uh, Dan approved indie game walking simulator and stuff but like a very interesting one that does some cool creative stuff um outer wilds still coming to the nintendo switch but it's taking longer than expected uh it's, it's going to come to ps5 and xbox series on september 15th uh switch in a later date uh and it is also a free upgrade and then this uh thirsty suitors game is actually they've showed this before um but it's an interesting it's 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 a very unique um game it's kind of like um Scott Pilgrim, um, it has like a like a similar uh kind of like idea to the to the story. I'm just gonna read the the blurb here. Uh, Thirsty Suitors developer Outer Loop Games kicked off the Annapurna Interactive Showcase by demoing how the game's combat and narrative work together through an innovative fighting scene. Thirsty Suitors is coming to the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation Four, PlayStation Five, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. A demo is available now on Steam. It will be on Game Pass on launch. Nice. So this doesn't tell this doesn't say the story of the game, but I think what it is is like. Uh, this girl has to fight like all the, um, all her uh, possible like mates or whatever, like all the, um, like all the all the guys who would uh who would wanna who would wanna date her or something like that. It's just I gotta search it. I wasn't prepared to. <laughs> I didn't prepare to talk about this. It's all right. I'm just looking at looking at stuff. Hindsight has a cool thumbnail. Uh, let's see here. There's something called a new cardboard computer game. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much a lot of stuff that's sort of ca- catching my eyes, but cool. Uh, something called The Lost Wild. That looks, this thumbnail looks like, make it looks like a AAA game, but Annapurna doesn't got that kind of money. So, well, whatever, we'll see. Um, anything else, Stan, before we move on? Yeah, just to correct myself. Yeah, the story, like, it follows this uh, female character. She has to fight all her, fight and then reconcile with all her ex-boyfriends, basically. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of similar to Scott the, <laughs> the Scott Pilgrim uh, plotline, but yeah, no, that that's it. So go and check it out if you're into Annapurna stuff. All right. So this was def- definitely probably like the biggest story that got uh, a lot of people in a tizzy. Like this story became a, a, like four, like four other stories because it's like, what about this company? What about that company and stuff like that? There's like there's like a talk. This is like a huge talking point. But um, this comes from Ars Technica. It says Meta uh, Meta's. The Quest 2 VR headset price jumps up $100 to $399 and gets zero new features, <laughs> uh, which it does buck the trend of two-year-old hardware dropping in price, and it blames, the, the company Meta blames uh, rising costs. Uh, so ever since we've been talking about, like, um, you know, shortages, uh, chip shortages, supply chain issues economic factors covid all this other stuff all that stuff was like sort of like making this perfect storm where like i don't know what i don't know like calling them meta i just want to call them facebook but whatever uh but meta is like well fuck it i guess we got to jump this price up so now it's going to msrp for 399 dollars fuck you guys and then that's it uh so yeah they're the stories that people are like, what if PlayStation and Xbox goes up $100? How would that play out? Like, what if Nintendo? Nintendo actually made a, a public comment saying that they have no plans to, to jump up in price, by the way. So that's at least the yeah. Nintendo Switch is safe. Uh, there hasn't, there's been no comment from the Sony and Xbox camps at this present time. Uh, not covered in the story. But yeah, Dan, what are your thoughts on, uh, on uh, tech hardware going up in price? 
I mean, it's an unprecedented thing, right? Like, uh, I'm actually, this made me uh, feel lucky that I already bought a uh, Quest 2 a while ago. <laughs> and uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad I got mine before this happened, even though I, I barely played it. I do want to play more with it. But it's interesting. It's like, it's one of those things where when you read the reasoning, it, I guess it makes sense. Like they were losing money on, on the sales of the hardware, right? And, and they don't want to be losing money on it anymore. But at the same time, it's just like from the consumer perspective, it's just like, you know, the consumers don't care about that. The consumers know that there was a product on the market that they're probably expecting would get a price cut soon or, or even if a small one, and instead it jumps up $100. It's also interesting that they announced ahead of time. Like, it's not like, hey, like from like immediately, it is starting in August, right? So this month, but not immediately. So if you wanted one, you could go and buy one right now for the current price before it jumps up. Which I saw some people theorizing on a podcast they listened to, like, what if they did it on purpose to try to bump up their sales right now? <laughs> I so feel that like everybody's they should have done go it, out. like, at the end of July to get, like, or, or end of June to, like, bump up Q, Q2 or something like that. You know, like, I would say that that would be, yeah. like, a power play to do at the at an end of a quarter, not at the start or the middle of one. It also, uh, you know, Meta just recently reported their financials as well, and they're not doing so well. Like, I mean, like, they're still making tons of money, but I think it was the first... It was, it was like the first quarter where they didn't have any growth or something like that. And the stock is definitely going down. Um, so they're in a weird situation right now. It's like you kind of start wondering with this company, like, where are they going to be a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Because there's a, they're betting a lot on this VR stuff. They're betting a lot on the uh, metaverse stuff, but that can either work or it doesn't. Right. And so. There is a there is a dimension out there where uh, Meta is even bigger ten years from now, and there's a dimension where they're done, you know, <laughs> where they no longer exist. Um, so I don't. I mean, only time will uh, will show us what what happens. I I am not a huge fan of this company. I am not a huge fan of Facebook. The way they they do business, the way they they do things. Uh, so I can't quite say I'm rooting for them to be honest. Uh, and and this makes me root for them even less because. I think this is like a very poor business decision. Number one, it's unprecedented. And number two, um, for in order for you to like invest in like getting into the metaverse, you need to lower the barrier to entry and upping it $100 only increases the barrier to entry and you're going to have less people in your walled garden. Um, but yeah, that's just... I feel like there would have been a smarter way to do this, by the way, because like they could have released a new SKU off the MetaQuest 2, right? With maybe barely any difference just like just like cheap differences just like do something i don't know like like improve the os or whatever like like add some more storage space or something just just make it seem that it's more valuable even <laughs> if it isn't right like make it prettier i don't know and then release that for a hundred extra dollars and then just discontinue the existing model <laughs> right like they could have done that uh, that would have been a way like a, more like Nintendo smoother strategy. way to achieve <laughs> yeah that would have been a much smoother way to achieve the same thing yeah um so yeah this just doesn't seem like a very smart move it's gonna it's gonna make more people buy it right now but it's gonna deter people from buying it later maybe they want that too because maybe they're just really struggling with uh you know building them and it does make you wonder with the other companies right like what would happen people are going out there and buying ps5s for 700 dollars from scalpers right the value the 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 value in this in the scalper market is the true value that people are willing to pay because if people were not willing to pay it it would not be set at that price right um therefore there is an argument that sony could bump up the price of the ps5 to make to bring the supply down 
and be able to more easily or bring the demand down be able to more easily match it with the supply and they would make more money per unit they could possibly do that but once again you take the risk of the kind of the public perception factor right like people looking at it and being like that's fucked up fuck sony i'm no longer buying a ps5 so right i don't know it is unprecedented makes you wonder if anybody else is going to do it (laughs) i would like to see who else it's kind of funny because like meta is already like a not well liked company anyways so like let's see what happens whenever a beloved company does it but yeah we'll see um Anyways, the last bit, the last bit story of uh, for top news, and this podcast is going very long. We'll see how long where we land here. Uh, Kotor uh, is or Knights of the Old Republic, the the remake that was announced uh, back in 2021. So Jason Schreier from Bloomberg did a report, and it's saying that it's reportedly on indefinite de- development hold. Uh, some people are reading into it, basically saying it's basically canceled, uh, or maybe some, there's another speculation that the game is. Uh, gonna restart development or something like that maybe find a new developer uh but yeah problems this sounds uh like uh, metroid prime 3 when nintendo restarted development in my opinion but dan what's your metroid prime 4 all oh, right metroid prime 4 yeah that's right so dan what's your take well i do want to point out um i i feel like sometimes when people see the word indefinitely it is a scary word and i think it makes people think of infinitely mm-hmm. Uh, but really, the definition of indefinitely, and I pulled it up right now, it is for an unlimited for an unlimited or unspecified period of time. Um, and we've actually see it used in games way more often than you would think. Like a lot of times, like when the pandemic happened, for example, there were multiple games that got delayed indefinitely. indefinitely. Yeah. When Halo Infinite first got delayed, it got delayed indefinitely. All that means is that there is no release date yet. We don't know what the release date will be. It could be tomorrow. It could be, maybe we'll know in two weeks, or maybe we'll be in six months, or maybe we'll be in years. It's just unknown, right? That's really what it means. It means unknown. Um, In this case, reading more into more details about it and stuff, it does come across like they're in a tough situation where the game very well could get canceled. Now, we've also seen other games kind of go through tortuous development and change developers or get restarted or whatever. That uh, happened with the Doom reboot. Uh, it was in development as Doom 4 for a few years before it got um, kind of shelved and restarted. And then that became Doom 2016. And that was a good game when it came out. Um, we also saw what happened with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, that got shuffled around a few different places before it kind of found its home and, and got developed. And more recently, we saw a Metroid Prime 4 that we still don't know if it's going to turn out to be good or not. Um, so it's, I feel like, yes, don't, you know... Don't uh don't expect this game to come out anytime soon. Um, don't get your hopes up too high that it is just beyond the horizon or whatever. But I also wouldn't fully discount it either. Um, I still the way I look at it is that nowadays everything that was once successful gets remade sooner or later or remastered, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there is reason to pursue this project and to want to see it through. And I think that there, if as long as there are people that want it to happen, that it will likely happen eventually. We just don't know when. So, so definitely a big blow for Sony since uh, KOTOR was uh, going to be a PlayStation exclusive. So or at least was it timed or just permanent? I don't know. But either way, uh, that's a huge L. Um, and nothing much to say beyond that. Um, you know me, I've always been the conspiracy theories kind of guy where it's like, oh my God, there's like where there's smoke, there's flame kind of thing. It's like, oh my God, there's so much shit going down. Like everything's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. 
that's my my take on it. Is that everything's the worst. Um, but yeah, not much to say. Let's go ahead and move on. Go on to the extra news. Dan really hates me because there are 13 items on the list of Baker's Dozen plus a roundup. All right, here we go. <laughs> Number one, MGM has lost the film rights to Tomb Raider based on the popular video game uh, sparking a bidding war for the IP the rap has exclusively learned. Number two, the Backbone 1 PlayStation Edition is a new PlayStation-branded controller built to work with iPhones, Backbone, and Sony announced. Uh, yeah, I saw the trailer on IGN. Uh, number three, Sony has cut its profits forecast after a weak first quarter for the PlayStation business blamed on waning consumer interest due to a lack of new games and an easing of COVID-19 constraints, dampening stay-at-home gaming. Damn. Uh, number four. Testers now have access to a new PlayStation 5 system software beta that includes 1440p support, curated game lists for their games, and new social features. Uh, 1440p support is definitely one of the bigger things because it's like, oh my god, my gaming monitor, now you can play on, yeah, cool. Uh, number five, Guerrilla Games is taking down its online multiplayer servers for Killzone Mercenary and Killzone Shadowfall and rigs Mechanized Combat League in August 12th. God, oh my god. I never played Riggs. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Number six, Destiny 2 developer Bungie is scaling back on directly communicating with fans online, uh, citing an increase in harassment and real threats towards our people and our studio. Well, that sucks. We can't. This is why we can't have nice things. Uh, Bungie has always been the <laughs> community-focused developer. Uh, number seven, former Witcher 3 developers from new studio to crew. Oh, sorry. For, uh, former... Witcher 3 developers form new studios to create a multiplayer stealth action game based in feudal Japan. Okay, cool. Uh, number eight, following reports, uh, Call of Duty will skip 2023. Activision says premium paid content is coming to the game that year. Okay, cool. Uh, number nine, Sony Interactive Entertainment has announced a new live show. It will be running alongside the weeks this week's Evo. Oh, interesting. Cool. Uh, number 10, Nintendo has announced that the Nintendo Switch family of systems have now shifted over 111 million units worldwide since March 2017. Good good job for them. Also, I feel like the number should have been higher, but go. All right. Uh, number 11, Nintendo has confirmed that the release date for the delayed uh, Minecraft Amiibo figures, Steve and Alex, are now coming on September 9th. Um, also, side note, the, there's two SKUs of them because... Uh, they haven't made a player one and player two variant uh, since Smash Wii U. So, yeah. Hmm. Like, there wasn't a male and female Byleth. Um, next up, check this out. There's a Cyberpunk Edge Runners trailer for Netflix, the Netflix series. Cool. And uh, sad note, as an obituary, uh, Kenichi Okuma, who composed tracks used in Smash Brothers Brawl, uh, Smash, uh, Smash 4, and Smash Ultimate, has passed away on July 22nd at the age of 56. And lastly, the roundup. Indie Darling's Paper Ple Papers, Please is coming to mobile on August 5th. Strategy RPG Remake Tactics Ogres uh, Let Us Cling Together is coming to PS4 and PS5 on no November 11th. The Lord of the Rings Gollum has been delayed by a few months from its September 1st release date. I completely forgot that game was even coming out. Um, <laughs> Dan, what are your reactions? 
Uh, so it looks like we uh, needed some CD Projekt Red former developers to create a new studio so that we can finally get the Japanese Assassin's Creed that we wanted all this time. Although I would argue that we may not need it anymore because now we've had Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> I know, right? They kind of fulfilled that uh, I was thinking that. I was that like, niche. so they're going to make Ghost of Tsushima? <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Uh, it's interesting to see that Tomb Raider, after being rebooted, and I thought the new, like, the, the new uh, series of films was doing well. Uh, but they just, it was one of those situations where they had to use the, the film rights like every X amount of years to maintain the rights. And because they didn't release a new movie in five years, apparently, yeah. um, they just lost the license. So now people are bidding for that and we'll probably see a new reboot yeah. of Tomb Raider in the big screen over the next few Why years. Why didn't they make a sequel? Alicia Vikander was a great Lara Croft. Like, ah, oh, man, like. I don't know. Uh, Maybe somebody could take the license by the way and hire her again <laughs> like uh that doesn't happen a lot but i guess we're kind of seeing it with the marvel stuff because uh disney's gonna reuse uh charlie cox for or they're already reusing him for daredevil uh even though you know the original productions were netflix i know it's a little bit of a different situation there but yeah they had the opportunity to recast them and they decided not to yeah. you know or like or or Patrick Stewart with Doctor Strange uh spoilers. Oh yes, dude, I watch I watched that. Uh that was cool like um well we can talk about I have tons of thoughts about the movie but just like seeing Patrick Stewart on that I was happy about that. <laughs> um but yeah, spoilers. spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't have a lot else to uh, to say other than that. Most of these things sort of speak for itself, but I'm going to be interested in to know what Sony uh, SIE has cooked up to run alongside Evo like I mean, granted, I'm not surprised because since Sony bought Evo, but still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, congratulations to Nintendo for over 100 million sold. Um, you know, when I saw that Backbone thumbnail on IGN, uh, IGN's YouTube, I was thinking that, like, uh, the thumbnail made me believe that Sony was making a Vita successor. But I was like, <laughs> so, so I was so let down. But still, whatever. Nope. Um, yeah, nothing most, nothing more. So, Dan... My voice is getting a little tired, so I'm going to throw the show over to you. Of course. It's time for our Out This Week segment, and we always start with a free game in the Epic Game Store. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we know which game is going to be free starting tomorrow on Thursday or time of recording from August 4th to August 11th is a game called Unrailed. It is a co-op multiplayer game where you have to work together with your friends to build a train track across endless procedurally generated worlds, master random encounters with its inhabitants, upgrade your train, and keep it from derailing. So we got like a like a voxel type, like Minecraft-like art style here, but you're seeing it from up above uh, as opposed to like, you know, the, the, the close, closer third person view and stuff. Um, I don't know, it looks kind of weird, interesting. You might want to go and check it out. It is free, so go and claim it. And unfortunately, we don't know what game will be free next week. So just go and check out the Epic Games Store so you can see that since the podcast returns two weeks from now. Now, on the Game Pass side, we got a lot of new things uh, coming to um, uh, during the month of August. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Cooking Simulator is coming to Cloud Console and PC. Ghost Recon Wildlands is coming to Cloud Console and PC. Just like Two Point Campus and Turbo Golf Racing. Then on PC only, we got Expeditions Rome, Offworld Trading Company, and Shenzhen 1-0, I think. 
so yeah, not a lot. I think the big, the bigger game here is uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, I think I heard good things about Two Point Campus as well. Now let's check out what's leaving in August. On August 15th specifically, we're going to have Boyfriend Dungeon, Curse of the Dead Gods, Library of Ruina, Starmancer, and Trangsim World 2 leaving uh, Xbox Game Pass. Kind of feels like an average-ish month. Not a lot uh, super exciting coming in, but not a lot super exciting uh, leaving either. Uh, now we got the announcement of the PS Plus uh, games that are free in the month of August. They should be free right now already if you have any tier of PlayStation Plus. And those games are Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. That is, of course, the remaster of the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games on PS5 and PS4. You got Yakuza Like a Dragon on PS5 and PS4. And then Little Nightmares on PS4 only. This um, might be the best PlayStation Plus games to ever PS Plus. I wouldn't say ever. Because we've had some really good months, like in uh, like early in the PS4 era, but it's up there. It but is. Like, it is definitely a great month. I would say like all three of them individually would be a headliner. Like you know, I'd be like, I could just as easily say, oh, in a weak month, Little Nightmares is the headliner for this month, right? Like all of these are basically. Yeah, sure. Yakuza Like a Dragon was the headliner for like Game Pass for like a long, a long ass time, right? When before it eventually left Game Pass. But I'm just thinking, thinking like, damn, like why is everything quality? Like this is how I want it to be every month. Granted, this is more like a special month. You know, you don't get this kind of quality. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, goddamn, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, they've announced that uh, all Yakuza games are going to be coming to the PlayStation Plus game catalog, uh, the one for the extra and premium subscribers. So that will include Yakuza 6, Yakuza 2, 3, the first one, Zero. Uh, and of course, it starts with Like a Dragon uh, and the Kazuma Kiryu saga. So over, you know, over time, we're going to see all these other games be uh, released in there as well. They just don't have dates yet, but they're already announcing that. Uh, now let's go with the games with gold <laughs> for the month of August. Uh, that is usually not as exciting, and that seems to be the case here. Again, uh, a game called Coleco will be available for the entire month. Then Scorchbringer will be available from August 16th to September 15th. Saints Row 2 will be available for the first half of the month. And then Monaco What's Yours Is Mine is available for the second half of the month. Saints Row 2, I guess, is the known yeah, game here. I don't really know any of these other ones. Yeah, Saints Row 2 seems like the headliner of uh, of the uh, of Games with Gold. I, I, we even talked about, like, on, on COGS, like, about special editions. And uh, that one mm -hmm. came up. So, yeah, just throwing that out there. Cool. There On the Switch side, there is an interesting sale going on right now until August 7th. It's called the Multiplayer Sale on the Switch eShop. Uh, so there's a bunch of deals here. Let's see. Super Mario Party is uh, is 20% off. Uh, Clubhouse Games, uh, a game that Lewis stands <laughs> yes. for, uh, is just twenty seven ninety nine right now. And you can get Scott Pilgrim vs. The Ward for 5 <gasps> bucks. Uh, but, I'm going to get that. Yeah, Monster Hunter Rise, which is very well rated, is also half off. Uh, Crash Team Racing is half off. Just Dance is, is less than half off. The Tony Hawk game we just talked about is also half off. So plenty of games in the sale. Anything else you want to highlight, Lewis? No, no. Everything looks cool, though. Uh, I see Spirit Fair for like 10 bucks, by the way. Nice. That's also on Game Pass, but uh, definitely worth it, the 10 bucks if you want to get it on the Switch. Uh, on some little stories here, uh, Rick and Morty and LeBron James are the next fighters to join Multiverse's roster during the game's first season, which begins on August 9th. Uh, for those that uh, so you're gonna for see. those that don't know, uh, the side tournament for Multiverses is going to be at Evo, and the official rule set is, has LeBron James and Iron Giant banned 
because <laughs> they were not part of uh, the original lineup during the first beta. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, they have the least amount of time out there in the wild. So, therefore, like, the meta needs to be focused on the older characters that people had more time to practice with. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. In uh, another note, Nintendo has added Kirby's Avalanche, Fighter's History, and Diva Story 6, Imperial of Nersarcha to the NSL service. Uh, so these are NES and Super Nintendo games that have been added to their respective apps. Uh, and then we got a little story here for the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, next uh, wave of DLC. Uh, this one is actually going to include a brand new track. Uh, so with two cups here, Turnip Cup and Propeller Cup, we got uh, Tour New York Minute from Mario Kart Tour, uh, Mar- Mario Circuit 3 from Super Mario Kart, Kali Mari Desert from the Nintendo 64, Waluigi Pinball from the DS, and then on the Propeller Cup, we got Tur- Tour Sydney Spirit from Mario Kart Tour. Or I shouldn't be saying, it's just Sydney Sprint from Mario Kart Tour. Snowland from the GBA. Mushroom Gorge from the Wii version. And the new track is called Sky High Sunday. Let's see so, if we have a release date for this. Yeah, it's like August 5th, I believe. It's going to be during the time we're at in Vegas. This is Friday. Yes. Um, so what's kind of interesting about this is, uh, so basically every time they've, Every time they've uh, been putting out tracks and stuff like that, it's always been like, you know, legacy tracks, nothing new. This is the first time we're actually getting new. We were never, Nintendo never outright promised or didn't promise that there wasn't going to be new tracks. But what's kind of interesting is the, the ongoing theory is that they're just porting Mario Kart Tour tracks to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And if you look at the, the little bottom right-hand corner for the, for the trailer for this, uh, these new courses, they said that Sky High Canyon is going to be in Mario Kart Tour at a later date. Or Sky High Sunday, mm. yes. Yeah, Sky High Sunday is going to be on Mario Kart Tour at a later date. It's going to happen. So it's it's basically like sort of like getting two for the price of one kind of thing, like development-wise. Interesting. Yeah. So the, the theory has not been debunked yet. So, okay. um, But also, just I saw a meme that somebody said. Uh, I don't know if you remember watched like the very, very first Toy Story where Andy like threw away uh, Woody and like like he's like, mm-hmm. I'm done playing with you. And he goes to Buzz Lightyear. Uh, that meme happened where they superimposed the, the Mario Kart 8 track, uh, what was it called? Um, uh, Sweet Sweet Canyon. Uh, it looks just, it's basically another candy-ass course, right? Uh, so Sweet Sweet yeah. Canyon is now being like dismissed for, for Sky High Sunday. <laughs> They're both like... Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that I, uh, I I saw the trailer for that track or whatever, and I was like, wait, is that a new track? That looks like a track that we already had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, I just, yes. in my head, it just felt like the one we already had. You know... The, um, the um, there's a record Ralph and like there's that one girl Penelope I forgot her name yes she has like a, a like a kart racer and it's all candy themed so now we have two candy ass yes. themed courses in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe dude you know what's funny I, I I we're already going too long but um when I went to game development school you know we had these projects that we did uh like at the end like our final projects are like a you know a little game that you make that usually something you can play in like 10 minutes or whatever. It's not like a full fledged game. It's more like a demo, if anything. And there was a student project before that movie Racket Ralph ever came out, which was very much that game. <laughs> like coincidentally, coincidentally, it was a cart racer that was candy themed um, that some students made. So it's just, it was so interesting when I saw that in the movie and I was like, what the hell? Like, I know that game. <laughs> like there's a real game. Um, but anyway, going on to the uh, new releases here for the next two weeks being covered today is starting with Recipe for Disaster coming to PC on August 5th. Uh, then Two Point Campus comes to PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on August 9th. Lost in Play comes to the Switch and the PC on August 10th. 
And then Cult of the Lamb, which is our first highlight, comes to PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Switch, and PC on August 11th. Cult of the Lamb. Cast players in the role of a possessed lamb saved from annihilation by an ominous stranger who must repay their debt by building a loyal following in his name. Start your own cult in a land of false prophets, venturing out into diverse and mysterious regions to build a loyal community of woodland worshippers and spread your word to become the one true cult. We saw some trailers for this in some of the, you know, uh, Samurai Gaming showcases, and it actually looked pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Also on August 11th, we got Rumbleverse coming to PS4, PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. As, and then on August 12th, Marvel Spider-Man hits uh, the PC. And on Blossom Tales 2, The Minotaur Prince comes to Switch and PC on August 16th. Same day as Roller Drum, which comes to PS5, PS4, and PC. Two days later, on August 18th, we got many games coming out, including Curse to Golf on PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. RPG Time, The Legend of Right coming to the Switch. Thymesia coming to PS5, Xbox Series, and PC. It is a grueling action RPG with fast-paced combat and an intricate plague weapon system in a kingdom where death spreads, play as a mysterious character known by the code name Corvus. Prey upon your enemies, wield the power of disease, and find the truth in your own memories. Um, so the reason why uh, I highlighted this game is because it's basically Dark Souls. And Yes, I actually saw a video of it because you highlighted it. I hadn't seen it, and it actually looked pretty good. Yeah, and also I'm reviewing it for Level 1 Gaming. So uh, I oh, have cool. the review. I, I'm going to go ahead and just say it here publicly since i was i'm basically allowed to say it uh the review is going to come out i believe on tuesday august 16th so two days before the game comes out you'll see uh, my review on the website and on the youtube channel so yeah cool looking forward to that uh and then finally our final release also on august 18th we are ofk comes to ps5 ps4 switch and pc from indie pop band ofk we are ofk is the story of how four friends came together to release their debut music without throwing their phones at walls in frustration. A making up the band series, an interactive EP about dreaming, dating, and paying rent in Los Angeles. We saw this on so many. That sounds fun. We saw this on so many. Uh, um, what do you call it? Those E3 showcases, those digital presentations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I vaguely remember yeah. it. So there you go. Cool. It looks interesting, like an experiment. Um, but yeah, definitely pick of the week for me. Uh, it's gonna be Cult of the Lamb for week one, and then Thymesia for week two. So yeah. Same. Same for me. All right, Louis, let's move on to uh, to the next one. All right. It is the Ready Press Play list of best games of all times. We're counting down the best games that ever video games. And uh, yeah, we got 26 strong. I'm not going to read the list. Probably read it at the end. Um, and it's my turn to bring something to the list. And I'm going to be a lazy bitch because I have put no thought into this to tell you the truth like i completely <laughs> forgot it was my turn until we just was about to start recording so i'm gonna make it up here on the spot and it's just basically like my comfort my comfort pick my back pocket pick you know the, the the pick that i almost did like we almost we debated it right and it didn't make the cut because we put something else and now we're gonna do it we're gonna do it again we're gonna do it here we're putting two games of the same franchise and it's gonna be a hell right let's okay. do the wild Oh, man. Okay. Uh, All right. Talk so, about it while, while I write. Okay. So Breath of the Wild is definitely one of those, like, it's like the, the launch title for the Switch, the sunset, like, the sunset goodbye game for the Wii U, right? Um, it was 
open world game, open world design made by Nintendo, basically. And they basically like knock it out of the park on the first try. Like they completely shot on everyone. <laughs> they shot on everyone doing it. And I mean, like overshadowed like Horizon uh, Zero Dawn. Um, so yeah, like that's just kind of like. Uh, that's kind of like sort of like the TLDR version of it. Like people still speed run it. People still play it like, and people are just still discovering shit. People are, um, you know, trying to exploit it from a physics standpoint. There's like, the game doesn't let you, the game doesn't stop you. Like you can climb anything, you can go anywhere. And it's definitely like a reinvigoration of the series. Right. But it definitely like, when you talk about like GTA earlier, it's like, there's something at the core that you lose. And I think I think it was a net positive, right? But like real true Zelda fans kind of like yearn for something. So I think they're almost there. Like I would like to see the sequel to Breath of the Wild, like to keep what was so good, but also just sort of bring some Ocarina of Time flavor to it. Some story, some cutscenes, some uh, some linearity, I guess, if you will. Um, the whole point is that it's hard to do that. How do you balance game design? Because you can go anywhere, so you can't predict where someone will go. Like different players will never see ex experience certain things. Some went north, some went south, others went west. Um, you know, like that's kind of like you know, kind of a roll of the die. So you have to like balance your boss fights because you can't depend on you can't count on a care on on a player being at this boss fight and being stronger or being this strong. So I don't know. Like I sort of it's sort of like I feel like a little all over the place. But either way, just game is really fun. The game is cool. I've seen some some cool videos where somebody like you know does like the exploding and like le levitating and some flips and shit like that. That's cool. I like seeing that stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's the thing. It, it's it's funny you brought this in because I was kind of planning on bringing this game into the list, and the reason I was gonna do it as a strategy, uh, just so that I could uh, get my name on the top of the list a little <laughs> bit more. Um, so you kind of, you kind of got me there, but at the same time, here's the thing about this game, right? Is that this game is one of those rare cases where I am not as high on the game as everybody oh, else is. Fuck. And, and we, and we, and we talked about this in the past. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is like, I recognize everything the game did, right? I recognize the way that it reinvigorated the franchise, like all the good things about it. Like I get it. Um, but while a lot of people would, you know, undoubtedly put this game in like the top five of all time for their for 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 them or whatever, I think that the cons for this game like significantly hindered my enjoyment of it. Uh, it is things like how aimless it feels at times, um, where you kind of get lost in the world and you get distracted and it, easily. It's hard to like, yeah, like it it distracts you and it's kind of hard to like get back into the kind of the core uh story of it i i find that the the linear like if we if we separate this game and like kind of like like the main quest versus like side quests i just find that the main quest is not as interesting as it is in other zelda games um because so much of the focus is in the open world nature that i think they lost some of the elements of what like i liked about zelda such as like the complex dungeons and the story and the music and stuff like that so a lot of people look at, it, at this as their favorite Zelda game and I get it because like I said I see all the positives it's just one of those things where for me I get too hung up when I played it I got too hung up on the things that I loved about Zelda that weren't there to where like 
I am more excited about what they're going to do with the second one and how they're going to be able to make it the best of both worlds. And that's kind of what I hope from it. Uh, but like I said, I don't, I almost like don't want to take room in this conversation because I know how much everybody loves this game. I put like two hours that this into the is, game too. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for everybody, this is like one of their favorite games of all time. One of the games that they played the most off. Like I am not, I am not going to argue with you over this game belonging on the list hundred percent. I'm not even going to argue with you with it being in the top 10. What um, about if I put it in the but top I just three? Don't... <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I mean, I I guess I guess I'll allow it because like I said, I just know that I'm the... <laughs> I, I, I just know that I'm the exception. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I recognize that I'm the minority, exception with yeah, this game. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to like drag it down too much. It's just like... Yeah, I actually, I actually kind of hmm. know where I want to put it actually. I was just fucking with you at the top three. I wasn't going to put it in the top three. I thought about it. Okay. I thought about it, but then I was like, nah. Like, uh, I don't want to put it over Ocarina of Time because we chose Ocarina of Time first for a reason, right? So mm-hmm. th- that's like the hard limit is like number four. Uh, however, when I look at the top five, Tetris and Street Fighter are like just so seminal, right? They're so culturally like significant. Um, so Breath of the Wild being like more recent, it's kind of like kind of sort of for me, like it kind of like takes it a step back. There hasn't been many of Breath of the Wild's uh, clones in my opinion, that, that that was originally predicting mm-hmm. when the first when the game first came out. So that being said, I want to fuck with you, and I'm going to put it at number six. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I We've been recording for two hours. I don't have enough energy to uh, to, to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it over uh, Mario Galaxy. But I'm just going yeah. <laughs> just... to tell you something. You know, you're slowly pushing Smash Ultimate pretty down I the know. list. You know, and just, then just now saying, I just, just threw saying. Fortnite out the top ten, by the way. Ah, damn. Yeah. We got we to gotta do some fixes here. <laughs> and, uh, um, in a few episodes, we'll have, uh, we'll have uh, some opportunities to do some fixes here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, oh, go ahead. Do you want to read yeah, the list read or do you list, want me to do it? List. Number one, Super Mario World. Number two, The Last of Us. Number three, Ocarina of Time. Number four, Tetris. Number five, Street Fighter 2. And then the top ten, Breath of the Wild, Mario Galaxy, Smash Ultimate, God of War, Celeste. And then the top 20. We got Fortnite, Uncharted 2, Shovel Knight, Marvel Spider-Man, Horizon Zero Dawn, Journey, Portal, Inside, Bioshock, and Heart Gold and Soul Silver holding the line at top 20. And then, in the, uh, rounding out the list, number 21 through 27, we got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Rayman Legends, Metal Gear Solid, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Super Meat Boy, It Takes Two, and Mario Power Tennis. So yeah, strong list either way. Yeah, nice nice stuff. All right. All right, Louis, let's, uh, let's take let's this take home. with us meeting every other week i feel like we can give our, our listeners a two-hour show because they got two weeks to listen to it <laughs> or something uh yeah <laughs> that's true all right we could just cut it in half and then just release this too because <laughs> so we're still weeks away that way yeah part one part two yeah. uh yeah well that'll be funny anyways um yeah before we leave, we always leave you guys with recommendations about what to watch, what to listen, whatever entertainment that we're into. I'm going to say this. I recently watched Mean Girls on Netflix. Uh, on Netflix, it's uh, it's out right now and it's trending. Um, that movie still holds up. It's still hilarious. I was like laughing my ass off watching that movie on Netflix with my, with my nephew and my brother. Um, there's just so many funny ass jokes that are just timeless. Uh, like... Uh, yeah, I watched it a few years ago and I had a good time. <laughs> there was this joke, and I'm gonna spoil it. Is like where like Lindsay Lohan was trying to get like uh, uh, Amy Adam or 
was Amy Adams? I don't think that's her actress's name. She was trying to get her fat and stuff by eating these protein bars. And then she was saying that, oh, you just eat carbs because the, the bars burns the carbs. And so <laughs> and so she was like, uh, her friends was like, hey, do you want to go get something to eat? Let's go to Taco Bell. And she's like, oh, my God, you are so dumb. I'm on an all-carb diet. And it was just hilarious. Like, <laughs> I had to pause the movie just to laugh because I just thought that that was so hilarious. It's so basic, but Dude, it the- works. Yeah, the part where she gets run over just gets me oh every God. time, you know, because it's just, it's so unexpected. Random. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, it's so random, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And then finally, I'm actually watching this recommendation on my uh, on my niece's recommendation. She wanted me to watch The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, which is about a, sh- a dystopian society where women are forced to basically breed. They're like sexual slaves. And like what they do is like the the female fertility rate and and thus the 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 birth rate has declined. Like population is in decline. So you're sort of like women are sort of forced to be popping out babies in order for human society to continue on to propagate. So yeah, Leah and I, Leah and I were watching that show and we stopped on like season two or three or something and it, it's a it's a good show it's like it's one of those like really well done well written well acted and all that stuff uh but it's also dark as hell <laughs> man it's like and it's dark in this weird way it's like because I, I i i've watched plenty of dark shit but like it's it's one of those shows where like sometimes you end an episode you just feel like crap <laughs> like it's just like i don't know it's just um yeah like you said it's like it's like intense and it's just like the 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 subject matter is just disturbing you know what i mean like even in the way that you you described it and so it was one of those where it's like we didn't decide to stop watching it we're still like think it's a good show but at some point we just kind of stopped prioritizing it because it was just like it just is just one of those where it's like a bummer you know what i mean like you're like you're tired after a long day of work or something and then you go watch something and it just like it's one of those things that just makes you like sad (laughs) um especially later on too like season two has like a bunch of like weird like creepy shit too that happens okay yeah so but it's it's good though like i i definitely recommend it it's just like keep that in mind like it's not it's not something that'll make you happy um but uh something that i did watch recently is a tom hanks movie called the terminal Mm. uh steven spielberg directed uh music by uh john uh williams i believe it's on netflix right now and this is one of those good like like it's a tom hanks you know, movie it's a feel-good movie you know ex- exactly like it's like a feel-good nice tom hanks movie so like big <laughs> contrast to what we we're just talking about um but yeah it, it was enjoyable and i recommend it so the, very basic recommendation the, the but real, that's that's the it. real life true story that it was based on which it is based on a real guy by the way that was living in a terminal uh totally like sad like the real life the real life counterpart totally sad so they managed to make a a Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanksified version of that story. So mm-hmm. you know, I guess, I guess yeah. you know, when you fiction things up a bit, it just makes it it goes down like more palatable, more clean, like more easy to go down. But yeah, yeah, I didn't even know uh, it was based on a real thing to be honest. Yeah, because uh, I think that the they definitely took some liberties with it because I think the country that it's like that the foreigner is supposed to be from, it's like life. a made yeah, up. A, yeah, yeah, it's a made up country in the movie. Yes. Um. Yeah, but. Anyway, good good movie, nonetheless. Yes. All right, it's time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a nice review, and tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. You can find the podcast at Ready Press Play on Twitter, and I'm on Twitter at Chocolaka88 and Dan. At Power Up Dan. All right, peace. See ya.